Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Horror Drafts Podcast. It is just Nick and I today, and we are going to be discussing the best horror films of 2022. This is our first annual Horror Drafts Award Show, in which we'll be ranking the top 10 horror films of the year based on each of our uh, choices, as well as going through specific awards categories and handing awards to uh, the best, say, actor and actress, director, writing, and those types of things uh, for the year in horror films. Um, Nick, are you excited to be here at our first annual uh, Horror Drafts Award Show? I could not be more excited, Brantley. This is this is uh, this is cool, and I hope this is a tradition we continue. I hope so too. The first of many award shows. Yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't do it last year, but we started kind of in October of last year, so it would have felt maybe a little tough to do it that year. But this is our first full year of podcasting, so why not start? Uh, you know, an award show where uh, the winners win. Um, whatever we're going to name our award i i don't know we're going to throw that out to the fans to figure out what the award should be named at for uh the horror drafts award show i I feel like draftees would be like the names of our fans so i don't think we you know someone would win a draftee so you know anyone out there who's a fan just let us know what you think and we'll uh uh we'll maybe uh take suggestions from folks about what they think but anyway, uh, we're going to start off the podcast. Uh, of course, we'll talk about what we've been watching and that kind of stuff. But we're going to talk about um, our rankings first. So just to let everybody know who's listening, we are going to try to be as spoiler-free as we each rank our top 10 films uh, of our top 10 horror films of the year. Uh, once we get through the rankings, though, and once we get into the actual categories, because certain categories like, say, best kill, best villain, things like that may be revealing spoilers, uh, just to keep everyone uh, you know, abreast of what we're planning, there will be spoilers as we get into the um, awards categories after the ranking. So keep that in mind. If there are certain films you don't want to have anything spoiled for you, um, turn off the podcast and go watch it and then come back to the podcast (laughs) Uh, so you don't get anything ruined for you Uh, all right well with that business so to speak out of the way um, let's start it off like we always do Nick what have you been watching reading listening to or otherwise enjoying Um, since we last recorded with um, Christine uh, the only thing I've really gotten around to is I, uh, after you and, and she both talked about uh, ghost stories, mm. um, I caught that, which I really enjoyed, um, nice. as as you both uh, predicted I would, and I did. It was great. A lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, you guys talked about everything that really, I mean, when you discussed it on the podcast, I think you hit all the, all the main points, but I, I totally agreed. The one thing I would say that uh, I wasn't really discussed on the podcast is that even though it is kind of three distinct ghost stories mm. it felt less like an anthology to me than a lot of others sure um, yeah because the through story is really more it's it's that it feels like more of a backbone to this movie than it does in other anthologies that's for sure yeah yeah and i would agree with that yeah yeah and you're right we probably didn't make that as clear that there was as strong of a through line through them but um but yeah, I mean, but it, it but the film definitely is broken into kind of three main distinct stories that all kind of come together with the through line. 
um and i'm glad you i hope you enjoyed it it sounds like you you had a good time with it and you enjoyed it yeah yeah and i i thank you because that was uh brantley got that for me for the holidays so there <laughs> yes. was i was like perfect perfect we talked about it i expressed my interest in seeing it and then uh, and then i was able to see it so thank you yeah no you were you were very welcome <laughs> <laughs> um Let's see. Uh, on our end, non-horror wise, um, Sarah and I have been watching uh, Welcome to Chippendales, which is the uh, television show about the kind of founding of the Chippendales uh, strip club um, with Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, we've been enjoying it a lot. We still have the last episode to watch because that will not drop until midnight tonight. Um, but otherwise, have been very much enjoying it. Um, and then there is a couple films I'd seen um that i'm happy to discuss now because they're not going to kind of make um my list uh one was i was actually a lot of fun and i enjoyed it um a lot and that is violent night the kind of home alone die hard film but with santa as the protagonist um played by um jesus this happens every episode where i just <laughs> blank on the name of um god Who's the guy from Stranger Things? David Harbour. Jesus yeah. Christ. This is pathetic. Um, <laughs> I'm going to leave all this in. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't think of it either. <laughs> but David Harbour plays Santa Claus, a very disillusioned Santa Claus. And um, he ends up um, delivering things to this very wealthy family's home in the middle of a hostage situation. And um, it it's not really a horror movie i thought it kind of was but it's really more of like a an action comedy um and but it, but i had fun with it you know it, it 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 very much like is paying homage to and reference to home alone and die hard and stuff like that the, the films that have come before it um but it was it was pretty enjoyable watching it in the theater so i had fun with it and uh, if you haven't seen it you might enjoy that as well uh, there were some funny um, gags in it because um, at one point the little girl who asked Santa like it's like the one thing she wants for Christmas is to keep her family safe and get them back together or whatever and uh, and so she tries to make some Home Alone style booby traps because she'd just seen it be uh, in Home Alone the night before and oh, nice. it's just very funny the adults who are like these <laughs> expert kidnappers are like do you see the stupid fucking shit she just <laughs> she actually thinks this would work that kind of thing and so they 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 play it pretty well i thought it was um pretty funny um so that was enjoyable um speaking of christmas uh films i watched um on shutter joe bago's christmas bloody christmas um which um came out i think a few week a week or two before um the holiday which is about a robotic Santa that uh, comes to life and just causes terror in this uh, town. And um, it's it's all right. I mean, it's definitely uh, has the feel of like a 70s grind, like, like, like some of Bago's other films do, especially VFW before this. It has the feels of like a 70s grindhouse kind of movie. And he, and he shoots on 16mm, um and has been since at least bliss like be before vfw so i I, in on one hand i like am very psyched about him and the fact that he's continuing to shoot on film and has been for you know at least a few films now on the one hand i guess and i hesitate 
to say like negative things for a film that is like generally I think just fine but not like um, great I feel like sometimes especially with his last two movies like his films just don't live up to the promise of the premise in some ways like I don't know if you saw VFW but to me I was like oh this is like a great premise it's like these old like vets at this VFW and they've got to fight off these like punks who are like dealing drugs and everything and seemed like it would be like a blast and it was fine you know again it just didn't really live up to it and that's kind of how I felt about um Christmas Blade Christmas where it just didn't quite live up to you know the premise that I felt could have been just a lot more like fun and enjoyable and it just you know you can just really feel when the actors are improvising which is the same as I could say in like VFW as well like and some of his other films too just like you feel when they're improvising and they're not on script and it's just it really kind of takes me out of it and yeah anyway so that so i i I watched that one and and a couple other uh horror films but i want to mention those of course because i've been cramming 2022 horror films uh for the past couple weeks in preparation for this um so i i mean i guess without further ado nick are you are you ready, ready to get into it and then our uh, our top 10 horror films of 2022? Sure, let's do it. Let's do All it. All right. Excellent. All right. So to start off our horror film rankings, um, I'll go first. We're going to go from number 10 down to number one. And the way we're going to do this is that um, if I, for instance, have a movie at 10 that Nick has at five, we will wait to talk about it until we get to uh, the higher position that it's at. So therefore, you know, we're not going to talk about the movie until we're at Nick's number five. Um, So I will start it off. I will say um, the bottom half of my list could really, I feel like, just be like, you know, seven to ten. I feel like could kind of be really eight to ten. Could be flipped like really easily. So, um, but at number ten for me, and this was a very early in the year release. I didn't see it until recently. But it came out on Shutter, I think, in um, like January or February of 2022. Uh, and this is the movie C for me. Did you see this one, oh, Nick? Have, have you heard about this. it? Yes. So, um, again, I'm going to avoid spoilers, but I'm going to give you the basic premise for anyone who doesn't know about it. The idea in this film is that um, a skier who's in like her early 20s who has gone uh, begun going blind... Um, is working as a house and pet sitter um, for people, generally really wealthy people. And she gets a last minute um, option to take over for this woman who's like recently divorced. And as she's there, staying there in the night, all of a sudden uh, people break in because they're trying to rob the house of these very wealthy people. And she has to use this app that's called See For Me Uh, which is where um, sighted people are able to help people with visual impairments um, through the phone to see the things for them to try to avoid um, capture, essentially, by these um, people who have broken in. Um, It goes in somewhat unexpected places based on, like, just if you hear that premise, I think you have an idea of, like, what this movie is. It goes in some slightly different places than that, which I found very refreshing. Um, I do think, though, with this film, 
your mileage is going to vary and it's going to vary based on how well you can handle um, a protagonist with like very unlikable characteristics basically um, you know one of the things about this um, person who is blind is when she is going into these homes the reason she likes to get these wealthy people is that she can steal things from them herself and then like sell them uh, after the gig is over and make some extra money basically um, so for instance when she takes over at this house uh, in the film she steals like a $4,500 bottle of wine that she's like well she's not going to miss it who cares kind of thing um, so you know i think that might turn a lot of people off it did not particularly for me and i felt like they really grounded a lot of aspects of her in this like former competitive athlete that she was and so much of uh her personality was like she's just a really well-developed character like those traits are very specific to her but they work very well based on her history so um that's why i really enjoyed it primarily for her character as well as um it's a very grounded film um you know there's no supernatural elements to it at all but i also feel like a lot of the actions and choices for people involved are very realistic uh and so that for me see for me barely squeaks in at the number 10 spot and i kind of um you know wanted to put it there to kind of boost it because i feel like it's from early in the year people have either missed it or slept on it or forgotten about it maybe um but i enjoyed it quite a bit and it uh, just made my list at number 10 there nice yeah i have not seen it um when uh not when did it come out i know it was earlier in the year where did you catch it I believe it was on Shudder. Um, let me. Because I feel like I keep seeing check. it on one of those streaming services, and I've let been. Let me check. Yes, on Shudder. It is on Shudder. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I got. I'll add that to my list. Um. Cool. Nice. Uh, how about your number ten, sir? Um. Yeah, I will also preface this the same way. Um. That. I mean, really, it's for for my entire top ten. To be quite honest, I I um, I there were a lot of. First of all, there's a ton of movies like any year that I just wasn't able to get to in, in time. Um, I'll catch up on them, and that's the case with every year. Yeah. Um, you know, Same here. I, I yep. did my best to catch the ones that I knew I wanted to see. I'm sure I'll be discovering new ones that I wasn't even aware of. Um, and but so that's. Number one, I did see plenty though. Uh, I saw the ones mm. that I had really meant to, to see, um, and so. Uh, but what I will say about those movies in 2022. So again, of the movies that I have seen, um, with few exceptions, there weren't really any standouts. It was one of those years for, in horror where there there's a lot of movies that I enjoyed quite a bit, um, and I think Larry actually says this best because uh, I saw you know his email like our guest his Larry email, uh, yeah yeah Lawrence C Connolly who. Um, you know, we'll talk about his best of list later on, but I think he, he kind of alluded to the same thing. There are just some years that, like, it's not to say by any means that any of the movies were bad. I enjoyed a lot of them, um, but with few exceptions, there were there were not really any standout movies that were so memorable that I'm they, they stood head and shoulders above the rest. So I kind of felt yeah. like my top ten is just kind of interchangeable almost. I'm so glad you said that because it was so weird, like, 
looking through this list because I watched. I think I mentioned to you before we recorded. I watched thirty horror movies that came out just in twenty twenty two, which you know I think I've watched one hundred twenty eight movies all year. So like you know thirty that were just for this year um, felt like a lot for me. And I was like, wow, this is an incredibly good year for horror movies. Like, like so many of these movies are, like, good to, like, very good, in my opinion. But I would agree that there was, like, no definitive, like, one, two, or, like, even handful that I was like, these are, like, amazing and are going to, like, definitively stand the test of time and just, like, shine above the other films. Um, like, I feel like there's just, there's a lot that are in that good to very good, but none in the, like, super great category. So I, I completely agree with you, and I'm really happy you said that because I was kind of feeling very similar to you. Yeah, I think you said it even better. There, there were a lot good to great. Like I, I can't emphasize enough that I enjoyed a lot of these movies. But even my favorites of the year, there mm-hmm. are not like I wouldn't even put close to like my favorite of all time. I think there's just like major flaws. I had some problems with every single one. There was no single Same. movie, with maybe one exception where I felt like this was a flawless movie and there was nothing that could have been done better and it was wholly, you know, like, unique or whatever. It was a genre-defining or a masterpiece. Like, there was none of that. Um, yeah. With with every one of my picks, for the most part, there's at least, like, one thing I can point to that I, I, I really feel like it really dragged it down a bit. Um, but again, yeah, not to say they're bad movies. I really liked these. Are my still top ten list? These are all movies that I very much enjoyed. And... Um, like I said, they they probably could switch rankings a little bit. Um, where I landed was uh, uh, my number ten was um, Deadstream, um, nice. which like right off the bat, um, it's not a movie that I'm looking back on and saying like I really loved that movie. But <laughs> it was a year where I'm like, like I had so much fun with it, and that was enough mm-hmm. for me. You know, like it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't the scariest movie I saw all year, I don't think. You know, it wasn't mm. necessarily the... But you know what it does? What it does, it does very well. And it does it... It's funny, which it sets out to be. It's pretty funny. Um, you know, it it is... There are some really genuinely creepy moments. Um, mm-hmm. But most of all, it's just like... It's a really fun found footage movie. And it's, it feels like yeah. they, they were like, how can we kind of... You know, there's nothing that it does found footage wise that's like unique or new necessarily, except that the overall, you know, theme of the movie is kind of just like let's make fun of influencer culture, um, mm-hmm. and in that in that sense, I, you know, like found footage was clearly the right way to do that, and so yeah. I don't think it's a gimmick, and I think it works really well in the movie considering you know what they're making fun of, um, and. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I it may show up on some of my other lists, so I won't say much more about it. But yeah, no. Oh, no, also, was that on your yeah. list? Because I just talked no, about it. No, it, it did not. No, okay. it's um, it's in my list of like ten other honorable mentions. So it it did not make my list. Um, I enjoyed it. What I will say is, I did love like so much of the practical effects that are in it, even if like you yeah. can tell they're not like the highest of quality in some ways, but I just love the fact that like they were doing things practically and you could see like the love that they had, you know, for the genre and like for that type of practical filmmaking. So it was like, um, I don't, I I don't think I nominated them, but I almost wanted to give them a nomination for best practical effects just for making like the, I did actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, I I did. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if I did or not. And I, I actually, I can't, but I, I, because, because I was probably torn. 
but um but you're right about the idea of it like making fun of um influencer culture and i have one other film on my list that also is uh kind of in that category as well um that did make my list um but yeah it was it was a lot of fun is what i'll I, what i will say and i think that was the most important part of the film it really yeah like it comes through like what you're saying about the practical yeah. effects and just like the love uh, like the love that went into making that movie is so clear yes. like and isn't it is it i'm not sure if it's a husband i think it's a husband and wife who directed it oh is it um, oh i didn't know that it's either that a brother and sister i think it's husband and wife okay. and i think um and he is also the main character. Um, yes, I knew like he directed and was the star, but and I the didn't star. realize it was a husband-wife team. If that was the case, I really just feel like it really feels like a labor of love. Like you know, I think yeah. they had a lot of their friends working on the effects um, and did the crew. You know, they acted as crew members and production team, and um, and you feel like I feel like that comes through like yes, um, pretty loud and clear. Um, and that's something that goes a long way for me with with movies especially low budget movies you you know mm-hmm. there are plenty of low budget movies that don't feel like a labor of love um that yeah. feel like they're low budget <laughs> because someone didn't care enough to really you know mm-hmm. um and then there are movies like this one where it was just like these people wanted to make this movie specifically and they made it yeah the way they wanted to make it and they put a lot of heart into it um and it's just it's for that reason it's like even more fun yes absolutely i i agree because you know we've talked before like you know i always think it's an added level of suspension disbelief when you have found footage this i guess isn't so much found footage as it is live stream you know but it's still like an added layer of like how you know the story's being told essentially um but like it is like so fun and you can tell that it has that people involved who really enjoyed it and and it was that labor of love like you said that that it's fun and comedic elements really come through the most and are probably the bright spots of it. So it's great that those are the parts that shine so well, uh, because those are the parts that really stand out. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really effective about it too, is that even though it's, it's very much like crapping upon influencer culture, like it mm-hmm. is, it is designed to make fun of influencers and that whole, but it's also very clear that the two filmmakers are you know are very much part of that world like you know like they yeah. may not actually have like <laughs> millions of followers and be influencers themselves but it's very obvious that they are um that they consume the same media and they are involved in the same sort of live streams with the live chats and they know how that world works and yeah. you know um and they have like an affinity for it they obviously like it even though they're making fun of it and sometimes if you if you, you really need to love something to make fun of it effectively yeah no that's a really good point yeah i mean if you know if you're shitting on something you don't really know anything about it's going to come through disingenuous and this really does feel like genuine like that whole like his whole like performatory um hosting as he's like going through it like he he barely lets it up until like very late in the film like when he's reading comments and like saying things to it he's like what and he's always these like loud looks to the camera and and his (laughs) loud responses and it's like that's exactly how like one of these youtube channel uh, people would be responding in one of these moments. Yeah, it, it's very genuine. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. So, but yeah, it did no. it did just make the bottom of my list. No, that's great. I'm and I'm glad and you know because it didn't make mine. I'm happy it was on yours. So that's great. Cool. Um, okay, number nine for me is the movie Fresh. Was that on your list? It was anywhere? not. Okay. 
Uh, so fresh, and I'm gonna preface this as saying like I know there's been some like pushback against the movie. I know there's been like people seem to like you know enjoy it decently enough, or like no, this is you know no, uh, and 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 aren't fans of it. I fell more into the like fan of it, but I will preface that as saying that um, much of that was um, based on a lot of the performances in it. Um, Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan specifically as the two main characters. There are some like problematic -y aspects to the film, especially for a film that's come out in 2022 where um, uh, Noah, who's the name of uh, Daisy's character, uh, she has a black best friend who um, is uh, trying to help her but is very much like relegated to that like side character and then there's this black bartender who is also trying to help and it's like it's like they felt like they were doing like a commentary on something but it just kind of fell flat so there were those aspects of the film that I felt like were um, definitely in that like problematic area or like could have been handled better certainly um, but performance wise and generally in terms of the writing i i felt uh like the story wise was um compelling and that's the other thing because this is like the premise and i don't want to say anything to to you know spoil things but you get a sense for like what the movie's going to be once you know what the premise is and it takes a couple turns that i felt were a little refreshing um where it went into some territory that you didn't uh, that wasn't like the well-worn territory that it could have gone to and um and the performances again both by daisy and sebastian are really good and i think are compelling there are some wild parts to the movie <laughs> that i understand why people might roll their eyes at um but uh like there's a dance scene in one, at one point that i've heard some people's response be like this is ludicrous um but it i didn't hate it so <laughs> what's that say about me i don't know um but i i um i liked it enough that it's the my number nine of the year so how about that <laughs> that's a, that's a good endorsement for sure do you do you know the premise of it nick i, no, I don't want to say no okay. no please do say i actually no yeah, I, I, I i don't i don't want to say um I, what what I will say is disappointing is I watched it on Hulu. The poster on Hulu doesn't kind of um, you know spoil anything, but I have seen other original the original posters I think for it that kind of spoil what it's about uh, just by the poster. And I'm just like, why? Like this is dumb. Like why would you do that? Um, uh, because I I like to go into like every movie, not just horror movies, knowing like as little as possible. Like if I haven't seen a trailer, great. If I haven't like you know heard what the premise is great i, I want to go in and be like surprised at every turn basically which i was with fresh i think the most i'd seen about fresh before i watched it was uh larry's email <laughs> because he had talked about the film uh in his email and i was like oh great that like kind of bumped it up the my list i think i shared with you the list a couple weeks ago where <laughs> there was like i don't know 30 or something yeah. movies where i was like oh, i still have to watch these yep. for the year which i obviously didn't get through you know all of it but that really bumped it up um uh seeing larry's email so anyway um yes fresh made my list at number nine i would be curious once you watch it if you do end up watching it what your thoughts are on it yeah oh yeah but, i'll yeah. definitely yep if it made your top 10 i'll definitely be watching it um, yeah 
But I, I say it with a caveat that I understand why some people wouldn't and wouldn't have it in their top 10. Um, so look, like I said, the bottom like 8 to 10, 7 to 10, I could really switch around, folks. Like I, I could understand why some people might see that list and be like, really? But uh, anyway, I would be curious about your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Uh, all right, so that's enough of my rambling. Uh, Nick, you're number nine, sir. Um, yep, sure. I will... Um, I'm gonna uh, pick <laughs> a lot of these I think that I'm looking at my list now are like <laughs> bigger names and I'm like this is just so boring and obvious but like I, ah. it, again it wasn't a standout year for me and I, I'm gonna pick mm-hmm. Hellraiser on Hulu um, oh good yeah just not be and again in any other year like a Hellraiser movie, even a good one would not make my top 10 list. Um, yeah. It was one of those years though. And I think part of the reason that it's making my list, quite frankly, is that I just, it, it was a series that I have never really cared about. And the fact that I found myself enjoying it as much as I did. Um, yeah. says a lot about the the quality of that, that movie. And, you know, I love, I like David Bruckner. I liked the night house is like one of my favorite horror films of the last like 10 years. So I wanted to give this mm-hmm. a chance. Um, and, like, I never liked Hellraiser. I've talked about this on this podcast before. Um, but, like, in the last five years, I revisited the first few. And, and like, I, I, you know, there's a lot that I do appreciate about one and two um, that I found myself really liking a lot in my more recent watches. Things I didn't really mm-hmm. appreciate about it before. Um, so, you know, I think there's there are elements of Hellraiser 1 and Hellraiser 2 that are really, really strong. Um, yeah. And this new Hellraiser on Hulu, I think, captured some of those same elements as well as any other movie in the series like quite frankly i i i would rank it you know right up there with one and two as my my favorite of the hellraiser movies i've seen um and i think we'll talk oh again did you have this on your list again i never forgot to ask no okay and here's the crazy thing i don't mean to like interrupt you as you're talking about i watched it I knew I had a gap in my, like, um, I, I have a, a Google spreadsheet where I, like, type in what I watch every year for movies. I knew I had a gap in it this fall because I was just so busy with, like, work and the class and everything. And this must have been one of the movies that, like, was in that gap period because I watched it, but I didn't have it logged. And so when I was just put together and had gone through it to see what were all the horror movies I watched that came out this year it wasn't on my list at the end because I had forgotten that I had watched it and didn't log it. So oh, that makes sense. it wasn't on my list. I mean, it probably would not have made it at least in the top 10. So like the fact that I forgot that I watched it, like kind of tells me like, Oh, I, d- I wouldn't have had it like probably on my top 10. I don't think I would have, you know, adjusted anything I do have on here, but I could have easily, I could also have easily seen it squeezing in somewhere in the eight to 10 range as well. And I agree with everything you've said so far, that um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Again, though, it falls into that category of so much of this horror this year that's good to very good, but not, like, super standout in my mind. Yeah, yeah. It it, it doesn't... There's another movie that Hulu put out this year that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and both Hellraiser and this other movie... Um, mm-hmm. are parts of established franchises. And um, yeah. and what I will... I, I give Hulu a ton of credit because I think both Hellraiser and the other one are are right up there with the best of each respective franchise. But yep. at the same time, at least in Hellraiser's case, like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a reboot. You know, it drops any other subtitles. It drops any number. Um, you could watch it and 
perfectly standalone movie and not have ever seen any of the other movies in the series. And yet, I don't feel like it does anything necessarily new that any other Hellraiser movie has not done before. It just does them well. Um, mm. It did not spark something in me where I was like, well, I can't wait to see the sequel to this reboot. Like, this is great. Uh, there's there's new life in this franchise. Like, I don't care if they make a Hellraiser 2 now. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I enjoyed this one. It was good. Um, yeah. As good as Hellraiser has ever been, in my opinion. And, and that's all else I can say about it. Which, yeah. again, it's a, it's a metaphor, I guess, for... Or like, it's that that's just a great... Um, example of what this movie was this year was for me in horror um yeah you're right yeah it's a perfect (laughs) epitome basically yes i agree um yeah and i you know i will just say um it was a fantastic performance for uh, god again i'm blanking on the name of the actress who has taken on the role of pinhead oh um yeah yeah she was great um uh i have it written down because i thought it was great too um maybe i don't have it written down <laughs> okay i want to say jody comer but i'm like i don't know that's the killing eve actress right it's so um, i just I, 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 oh jamie clayton jamie clayton thank you yeah and i mean i thought the main the lead was i can't think of her name the actress's name but like she was fine too like the actual yeah. human lead but yeah jamie clayton i thought like yeah she stepped into the role of of essentially pinhead um even though i don't yes. think they ever call her pinhead it's the never named yeah but, and it's never named in the original book either it's just right the movie the I hell priest or movie. priest or yeah. whatever that yeah um yeah. but uh yeah she was she was great and um like very worthy and if they make a sequel like i hope she's in it um mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah same here that's, again like i'm indifferent <laughs> i don't care if they do or not gotcha yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think you said it perfectly. I, I don't have too much more to add to it. Um, I, well, although what I will say is that this is just like one of those things with you know some digital filmmaking where I felt like it felt like so dark at times that I literally couldn't see what they were wanting me to see. And I don't know if it was compression through Hulu or if it was the digital filmmaking where just like the 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 darks weren't coming through as well, but. Yeah, there was a couple points in it where I'm like, this is just so dark, I can't even see what's happening right now. Yeah. Um, and that's watching, that was watching at home with the lights off, you know, and in in my basement and, and on a, like, uh, HDTV. So, you know, whether that's, like, a compression thing or just, like, the way it was done, you know, it was tough to see sometimes what was happening. Yeah, 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 no, I have, I think that's part of, that's the way it was shot. Um, and I think that that's, not necessarily the the like the how dark the movies are, but in terms of like modern horror movies and or di- you know digital digitally shot horror movies, um, I, there's a point of diminishing returns with like how crisp and clear the picture can be. Um, mm. Like, it's nice to see movies like Hellraiser, like Prey, um, like a bunch of the other ones I'm sure we'll talk about that just look um, so sharp. But mm-hmm. horror is kind of like often a grungy genre, and like oh, I yeah. think that's why there's an affinity for you know old VHS tapes that have been played and played and played and played. It's like that grunginess, like it translates to the actual like analog medium if you're watching it on like VHS, and like if it's a well-worn tape that helps mask you know like less than stellar special effects, you know makeup effects, yes. like it it really yeah. helps that. Um, and Hellraiser is 
a grungy series kind of um it's just like mm-hmm. and and seeing like a very polished looking hellraiser was like kind of cool yes. but might not have been what hellraiser needed i could not agree more i think you just stated it perfectly that was one of the other issues with the movie is that yes this very polished version just felt a little off from the hellraiser franchise because of that look yep yeah that's kind of how i felt yeah perfect but yeah, uh, let's, uh oh yeah should we go to um, number eight let's do it yeah i feel like <laughs> maybe we should start moving these along a little faster We're sure 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 yeah we nines could... <laughs> on ours i'm worried although we haven't had any like overlap yet so no we'll, we'll see that's good yeah yeah um okay so number eight for me is sissy did you watch this one? Oh no um that was okay. like one of the next ones on my list that's on is that on that's on shutter as yeah. well yep yeah yeah, I was really relying on Shudder for like towards the end of the year here. Although there's like definitely other you know horror movies I watch others, but Shudder had like they it was had a killer a lot of year great for new horror. I mean, uh, yeah, great year in horror, a great year for Shudder. Yeah, like they had a lot of these like really good strong titles uh, there on Shudder. So I thought you know it was great. Yeah. So um, Sissy again, I'm going to try to be as this is the film I mentioned that also kind of is taking that dig at like influencer sort of culture and everything when we were talking about Deadstream. Uh, uh, Sissy is about a woman named Cecilia who was bullied as a kid. Uh, She comes back into contact. Uh, One of the things they bullied her by was calling her Sissy instead of Cecilia. Um, Especially the bully. Like, it was like a a name, like, friends would use, like, with affection, but, like, bullies would be kind of mean about with her. Uh, She comes back into a contact with a friend of hers from when she was a kid and gets invited to her hen night, um, because this is in Australia, I believe. Um, And uh, it's like her bachelorette party, basically. And then her uh, hen weekend, which is at the home of the bully from when she was a kid. And she doesn't realize that until they get there. Or are on the way, excuse me. Uh, and then from there, um, I don't want to say anything else. Um, what I will say is that the film um, was never boring and never um, went in exactly the directions I thought it was going to go. So it was a little refreshing in that sense um, that it was uh, not surprising, but just um, wasn't falling into, like, I guess, convenient. Uh, you know plots that i've seen before and so i appreciated that aspect of it i also thought the performance uh by the main actress who's playing sissy was really good um aisha d i think is her name um and so uh that alone um is reason enough in my mind to watch it but uh and this is what i will say as a warning to people the first two-thirds to three-quarters it might not even really feel like a horror film uh but then it gets into it and it is a horror film and it has actually some like really great now that i'm remembering like really great effects as you're getting into like the finale of the film and everything um so i um it's and it goes pretty bonkers towards the end but um it was very fun the whole way through so um i think you i think you'd enjoy it nick okay Uh, once you get around to watching it it's in my queue um nice i don't even think i realized that was a 2022 movie i've just been seeing it on shutter yeah oh nice okay yeah i don't know exactly when it came out but it um 
but I think I've had it in my queue since it had like come out. I just hadn't gotten around to it till these last few weeks here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Before we did this, but yeah, no, it was um, it was fun. And I, as I'm thinking back to it, I'm like, man, the practical effects in it were great. <laughs> like, nice. I'm just realizing uh, maybe I should have nominated. <laughs> I don't think I did, and I'm thinking maybe I should have nominated it for one of the uh, practical effects awards later on. So anyway. I, I think you'd I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. All right. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, what do you have for number eight, sir? Um I'll go right into it. My number eight was Smile. Um Nice. Yeah, it was a movie that uh, wait, sorry, is it on your list? I don't want to talk too much about it. It it did not make my top ten. Okay. So this is I love that we've gone th- gotten six different movies so far. Yeah, no, each of I'm, our like ten through eight. So this is interesting. I think our top fives maybe have a lot of uh, crossover, but yeah. Maybe, yeah. And again, it was interesting. like Smile is a movie that I I can think of a few other examples in recent years. Um uh, uh what is that movie? Um Lights Out. Lights Out was one of them. Where yeah. during the movie I was sitting there thinking about, you know, like, this is really fun. This is an effective movie, and I'm really enjoying it. And as soon as the movie was over, I was like, geez, that was very forgettable. Like, not that it ended on a bad note, but that just Mm -hmm. there was nothing unique or memorable about it. It was just like, I enjoyed it for 90 minutes. And as soon as it was over, I was like, yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to think about it for a long time. I don't care to see it again. Um, It just... It, it just is. It's a movie that I liked. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it and you like horror movies, I would say, see it. It's fun. It's got some creepy imagery. Um, you know, it's got some good effects, I think, for the most part. There's some questionable ones, but, um, uh, you know, it's it's got some interesting ideas, but I don't think it does anything that hasn't been done before. And my biggest problem with it was that it wasn't scary and it was predictable. Like mm, it, there yeah. were no, with one exception, and this is not a plot point. Like this is like there was one very specific scene that surprised me that I was not like something in the scene within the scene happened that I was not expecting, and I thought it was a really good. But it wasn't like a twist. It didn't like play on my expectations. It wasn't mm-hmm. overall as a movie. It didn't do anything or go anywhere where I didn't expect it to go. It went exactly where I thought it was going to go. It like every major. Um, plot point was kind of what you anticipated was going to be coming and and then at the end it was like yeah it was good i liked it that was it um yeah and i i would agree very much on a lot of your feelings especially the kind of forgettable and very predictable nature of the film um because this was when i watched in the theater and i mean every movie i think is going to be better in a theater oh, yeah. but horror especially like horror that i would watch at home and not like find as like probably scary like will be like slightly more scary in the theater to me uh because it's like so much more of like an engrossing atmosphere um and so like there was a couple like jumpy kind of scares that you know got me like two or three times maybe in the movie but i would agree that nothing that was like well it's like i saw that coming and i still kind of jump because of the way you built like you know tension and like you know the way you uh, you know the movie making element of this essentially uh but you're right like after i left the movie theater i was just like like thinking about it as i was going through my list for this i was just like i don't remember a lot from that except that kyle gallner's in it and i thought he was good in it you know <laughs> like like otherwise it's just kind of like yeah like it was very predictable and not very memorable and i think that's the best way to sum up smile in my mind 
Yeah, uh, I, uh, not very memorable, but good. Like, I'm I'm not sorry I watched it. I thought the direction yeah. was very shorthanded. Like, I think that isn't it yeah. his like debut feature? And I thought like for that, I believe so. Yeah, because he expanded from a from short the short that he, he made. For it. Um, yeah, and I felt like I was like, this is a really confidently made movie. And I, 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 I f- from that perspective, I'm like, this is smile is worth talking about just because as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I think he it does not look like a movie and you're like, this is a guy who's like kind of questioning what he's doing. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. It's very shorthanded. Yep. Um, I think he made exactly the movie he wanted to make. It just wasn't a movie that particularly did much for me, except in the moment when I was watching yeah. it again, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was saying. Like the two or three jump scares that got me, I think it's be- like, you're saying that surehandedness of his direction and, his ability to like be yes exactly even though like i'm like okay i know like something's gonna come up and scare me and like you know it still did because like he was as sure-handed as you mentioned so i i 100 percent agree and um oh it's interesting yeah i I, look i'm happy it made a bunch of money too that's the thing even though i wasn't a big fan of it like i want every horror movie to succeed even if like i'm not the biggest fan of it because that means we're gonna get more horror and i think that you know, the 2010s, I think, were the, like, best decade in terms of, like, how well-reviewed horror movies were in general. Yeah. And, you know, as, as much as I roll my eyes at the whole, like, elevated horror freaking phrase, which I hate. Yeah. Um, it, but, like, it's it you were seeing kind of critics come around to the genre and its ability to dive into and explore themes that like they had written it off on for a long time. And I think now as we're in these early 2020s, we're really reaping the rewards of that because we're seeing so many good horror movies like we've seen this year. And so, and, and this commercial success of the ones that do go to theaters like smile, I think is fantastic. Even if I'm not a big fan, cause it just means we're going to get more of it down the road. Uh, yeah, I could not agree more. I think that's the best thing that can be said about Smile. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it's, uh, like, I think, his, like, I'll be very interested to see where, um, what is it, Parker, F- I forget his name, Finn. Um, Parker Finn. I Parker believe, Finn. Yeah. Like, I'm very excited to see where he, his career goes and stuff. Um, because, again, like, mm-hmm. the, the confidence, of the, like, the last act, I will say this without a spoiler, is you know there's some questionable effects and then there's some that i thought looked really good but regardless of how the effects looked um it was bold it was a bold decision like the way he did it it wasn't didn't particularly surprise me but the way that the place that it went to was was bold and it was very clear that he was like this is what i want this is the ending that i that i and i'm gonna do it this way and he did it and um it's like that was an ending that could have easily i think been rewritten to be a little bit simpler and less kind of Mm. ambitious um and it may have been more effective if it had been but that's like that kind of boldness that i appreciate that he was just like this is what i'm doing and this is how it's going to end and this is uh um so yeah um the other thing i'll say really quick and i know i don't want to go on too much too much longer but you kind of alluded to it before was one of the most like, I'm not particularly big on jump scares. Like, I appreciate them if mm-hmm. they're done well, but that's not the kind of thing that really... Like, I, I like things that really creep under my skin and, and just unsettle yeah. me. Um, you know, a good jump scare is great, and, like, one of the most effective scares in this movie was completely ruined in the trailer. Um, 
which oh, too many horror yeah. films do. And like I would say, it this would have been one in particular that would have really surprised me. And it's like, but I I happened to catch the trailer and it ruined it for me completely. And it was one of a handful of moments in that movie that I think might have been scary, um, or yes. you know, and 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 to to take one out of maybe like three or four genuine jumps or jolts or scares out of that movie. Um, that's a huge percentage of, you know, that was another thing that I, I found very disappointing about this movie that was supposed to be scary. It was supposed to be creepy. I was not scared by it. There was one or two creepy images. And then there was like two or three parts that could have been really good jump scares. And of those two mm-hmm. or three, one of them was just outright ruined by the trailer. Um, yeah. Which, but you also just touched on another good point that like unsettling horror is what sticks with you and what you're more like a fan of this should have been a very unsettling horror movie. Like, the entire premise seems to suggest. Oh, yeah. And, like, the basic plot that this would be, like, one of those unsettling kind of horror movies. And yet, its reliance on that kind of jump scare aspect, I think, is what kind of makes it a bit forgettable. Because I think it could have really leaned into that unsettling aspect and then been more memorable and been one that stuck with us a little bit more. I agree. I th- and yeah, there's all there was also there's like this meme element of this movie to me, and it wasn't. Mm. There, there's just something about that the, the image of like a smiling demon, um, yeah, that screams just like cheap internet gag to me. Like just sure. the idea of like you know what they've like digitally stretched out their mouth to like smile extra um and i'm not even sure that they did that in this movie but there's so much of that image of like people smiling like an exaggerated Mm -hmm. amount that all i could see was like those really cheap videos that you're like watching a car commercial and all of a sudden this thing jumps up in your face and it's like one of those prank videos you like and it's been done so much so frequently online that i it it just screams like cheap to me i there's something about it that i find like too easy no, I, I completely agree, and I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much more to add, so... Um, yeah, no, we should move uh, on, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'm going to go to my number seven, which I have a feeling might be higher on your list. So this might be the first one that has will appear on both of ours, but my number seven, and I know some people might think I'm crazy for having it this low, is Barbarian. It is higher on my list. <laughs> it's higher on your list. Okay. So we will hold off and discuss it further once it's we get to Nick's uh, spot for it on his list. Again, I like we'll, we'll talk about why it's lower on my list, and I'm sure some people are like, what are you talking about? Uh, anyway, but uh, I'm also just realizing this is off topic. Like eight... Uh, no, 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 I can't say. I can't say. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. That's gonna. That's gonna give away things. Sorry. Oh, I'm it, intrigued. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll talk about it after if I remember. Sorry, you're number seven, Nick. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. Uh, my number seven was X. Um, Ty okay. West's X. Um, that is higher on my list. Okay. So, so we'll talk about it then. <laughs> cool. All right. Here now we're gonna start. Now we're this yeah. List. Now we're, we're okay. <laughs> All right. My number six is Prey. Okay, that's higher on my list. Okay, Here perfect. What is your number six, sir? My number six is Scream. Oh, okay, so here's the thing. This did not make my top ten. As much as I love the Scream franchise, wow. it was not in the top ten for me this year. I'm actually So shocked. I would love to hear you... Yeah, I'd love to hear you um, discuss it here, and I'll, I'll join in in a minute. Um, wow, yeah, no, I am shocked. Um, I, I uh, expected it to be on your list for sure. I didn't know how high, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I mean, I don't have much to say about it. The the thing with the Scream franchise for me is that I, 
I love all of them. I find them all to be, you know, even three is really fun. But like even the weakest entry in Scream is a fun, is a yes. fun movie. Um, and at its strongest, and we've talked about this franchise a lot, it's like you know, Scream is a masterpiece. Um, but the series as a whole has been consistently good, um, and that's what I will say about this movie. Didn't do anything new for me. Um, a lot of the Scream mm-hmm. movies, especially when they're in Woodsboro, even though I appreciate the fact that they're um, you know in this like established town in this universe that they've created and whatnot, um, feels the same. Like this Scream movie felt yeah. a lot like Scream, you know, one, which felt a lot like Scream four, like whatever. Um, so there wasn't anything necessarily in this movie that stood out as being new. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed a lot of the commentary on like the requel. Um, and I feel like every Scream movie kind of has that one scene where they're really like shitting on themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And like that commentary was great. There was that one scene where they're talking about requels in general. Um, I thought it was very, very clever. Um, and yeah, and it was like, you know, I I liked it as much as Scream 4, which I liked almost, as, you know, I th- I'd say Scream 4 is my second favorite. I'd probably Same. put this as maybe my third favorite in the series. Um, Same. <laughs> yeah, like it was really good. And that's all I can say about it. Um, I feel like they've hit a sweet spot. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm a little bit wary of Scream 6 because I kind of feel mm. like once a decade is like the right <laughs> the right uh. place for the series <laughs> to be at. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But Yeah. Well, I, I think what you said is kind of the, the reason it didn't make my list, which is that as much as I enjoyed it, as much as I loved going back to Woodsboro, and I love this kind of new generation of characters that are now a part of the Scream universe, it did it didn't feel like there was all that much new about it. And I think this year, as I'm going through and I had to pick ten, I'm sort of rewarding kind of like um, primarily these like original films yeah. that like aren't a part of these big franchises with the exception of Prey, which I just mentioned. No, oh, yeah. Right. Um, but, but that's, but it's not like, but I completely agree too, that like, it's probably my third favorite screen movie after uh, one, four, and then five. Um, and it sounds weird for me because Scream is probably my favorite horror franchise to not include it in this top 10 list. And for it to be like my third favorite of the franchise, but also it not be, um, you know in this top 10 but i think i was just trying to kind of a ro- reward like i said some more like original films where i hadn't seen that um franchise or i hadn't seen that formula so to speak um yeah and so that i think is why it didn't make my list um no that's totally but I, fair. I agree with i agree with pretty much everything you said it was a lot of fun i watched it multiple times i mean it's one of the you know horror movies i watched you know more than once this year um so I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I just yeah, I just didn't have it in my top ten. I mean I I, I totally agree. I kind of like it's, there's a few in my top ten I wish I didn't have for that reason you just said that they're part of established franchises. Mm, they don't necessarily do anything sure. new. They're doing what they do well. You know, like this is Scream yep. doing Scream well. Uh which is a yes. which is good because Scream is one of but it doesn't do anything new. In fact, I think what Scream did this year, this Scream, Scream five, if you want to call it Scream Five, um for all of its commentary on the requel and stuff, uh, it felt like a retread of Scream 4. Like, there was... Scream 4, yeah. to me, because it was 10 years later, felt like the requel of the series. Um, mm-hmm. Scream 5 felt like the same movie again, where, like, you have the older, 
you have the new generation of characters, but you have like the older, wiser characters who've been through it before, kind of returning to impart their wisdom on everyone else. Like it felt like the exact same movie again to me. Um, yes. And yet it was like kind of talking about that, like the premise of the the requel. Like it was that was like inherent to the that was baked into the story so much that I felt like it was weird that it didn't already kind of like it didn't make fun of itself for having been part of a franchise that literally did the same thing ten years ago. <laughs> Um, yes, I think that's that's a good point. Yeah, I think there was definitely some missed opportunities for things like that that they could have played up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I am again very very excited for Scream Six, if a little bit apprehensive yeah. because it's just it's less than a year later. Um, obviously, Nev Campbell not being part of it is 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 interesting. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how that you know maybe Scream Six is going to be that real requel where you know we're finally. Yeah taking it into a new location with new characters for the most part and fewer returning mm-hmm. characters. And like, now this is the rebirth of the series. Scream five was kind of the, the bridge that um, brought us there. Um, so maybe Scream six will be great. And I'll be like, Oh, it's great. It, it warrants a sequel a year later, but it could also go yeah. the other direction very, very easily. And well, you know, it's interesting because you say like every decade, like they're good every decade, but Scream 2 came out less, less than, than a, year. a year after the first film. And that's in a second location when they're at college, which I believe is the premise of Scream 6. Like they're going to school in New York. Very true. So it, it feels actually very much like it's it's tying into that specific, you know, it's kind of replaying that storyline almost but point. just setting it in a big city like new york instead of wherever their college was in california right right which felt like woodsboro yeah. again but which exactly it just, just felt just like, like woodsboro yeah again. no that's a really good that's a really good point so yeah yeah so i i, I am curious because i mean look even though scream 2 is my like fourth favorite of the scream movies it's still a fantastic movie oh yeah so i mean like the fact that it's like four out of five like doesn't speak to like its quality and really that much because like all the scream films are great even if you know three like we both agree is kind of the worst is like still fun oh yeah and it's still a very enjoyable experience so yeah I, i am very curious about six we've talked about it a little bit before but um yeah i'll be curious to see kind of how they do new york in that yeah for sure yeah all right all right uh okay so we're in top fives now wow and my number five is the black phone did this make your list I have it a little higher, and I'm so glad you... Because I wasn't sure, because it's listed everywhere on IMDb and Letterboxd as 2021, but obviously it was a 2022 release. I know it's... But, yeah. Like, I know it was made, and Dude. I don't know why it's listed that way. Like, no one... What is... Except for at yeah. Telluride or Overlook Film Festival would have had a what chance to have seen up, it. What is up with, like, Letterboxd especially, I've noticed lately, but, like, IMDb, too, listing movies as, like the year they hit like some festivals but they weren't actually distributed yeah like like that's so wild to it doesn't me. make any sense that does yeah i mean like unless you're going to that festival you're not seeing that movie until it gets distributed in whatever way that is whether that's theatrical whether that's to a streamer whether that's like straight to vod or whatever like it's so weird to me that they're listing the years prior for some of these movies it's crazy no and black phone had a ton of hype for like a long time leading up to it and i was looking forward to yeah. it and then the release date got pushed back and i even went back and i was like mail maybe the release date was pushed back from 2021 and that's why it was listed but no it was supposed to come out in like february and got pushed back a few yeah. months um so yeah like, exactly you, it would have been 2022 <laughs> exactly. either way exactly yeah this is just i don't get this trend like we when we did that big crossover i was really peeved that they had um 
Jenny Livingston's Paris is Burning as a 19... Uh, I forget. I forget. Whatever. But, like, they had it as the year prior, which was, I think, 1990 instead of 91. But it's uh, like, it went to Sundance in 91, which was January of 91, and then was released, like, theatrically, like, later that spring slash early summer. Like, why is this being listed as a 1990 film? Because it went to some you know it went to some uh festivals before that it's so weird yeah that is very very weird i mean it was still going in it was still in sundance like it was still in one of a major festival in 91 so anyway i yeah whatever i mean that's i don't know why their streamers are doing that but anyway so that's a little higher in your list so what is your number five uh my number five much to my own chagrin i think is terrifier 2 um Oh wow! Okay, Which I'm guessing great. isn't that on your list. Did not make my list. I didn't think so. It did not. No. Um, we've talked about it. I don't want to dwell on it, you know, necessarily. But sure. I, I, I didn't like Terrifier one. I didn't hate it. It was fine. Same. I felt it was very mean spirited. We've talked about this, and I didn't particularly feel like there was anything in Terrifier one apart from being mean spirited that set it apart from any number of other slasher movies. Like with, I've seen the clown done yeah. before. I've seen you know brutal kills done before the only thing that set terrifier one apart from anything else for me was that it was particularly mean-spirited which i disliked like I, that didn't add anything to me Same. um yeah so i was very very apprehensive going into terrifier 2 like i was not particularly excited mm-hmm. for this movie at all what terrifier 2 does very well um you know it, it's still mean-spirited you know and, and it, it ups the gore level which is you know fine again if it's not yeah, what it does though is that it does it in just this the whole thing feels like a weird fever dream like it operates with this weird dreamlike logic that I the first one is like so out there like I think it's because it's contained in like one location for the mm. most part you yeah, don't get that yeah. feeling like it's so ridiculous that he's walking around and going into places dressed as this bloody clown and stuff like you get some of that in the first one but um, yeah. But then the movie is so like contained to one spot that you kind of lose track of that. But the second one is like, you know, more of like a sprawling movie that goes across like a and the weirdness of him walking around in that freaking clown suit and just like the way it goes from one scene to another and these weird there is a dreamlike logic to it that worked mm-hmm. so well for me like compared to the first one. Um, I just felt yeah. like okay, this is what this series was meant to be like. They've hit it, um, you know. I, I, it's not even a case of necessarily for me like bigger is better or gorier is better. Like that's all fine if it's in service of something mm-hmm. better. And for me, and maybe it was a mistake, you know. I don't know. Maybe it was something like it could have just been this weird, complete mistake, and that was not what he was intending to do. Like Damien, Damien Leon was just aiming to make a bigger movie in every respect, and logically it wound up feeling this way, and that was just a coincidence. Whatever it was. It worked for me so much. Um, mm. Again, this like fever dream, like sort of logic and progression to this movie, um, just suited like the art, the clown so so well. Um, I liked it yeah. a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. And in fact, had you not told me uh, that you had watched it and actually enjoyed it a lot more than the first one, I probably wouldn't have even bothered watching it for this year even when we were doing a best of 2022 horror just because i agree completely with you that like the first film really was not for me and i was just like not not my style not my bag 
And this is such a market improvement in my mind, which is crazy to say for like a nearly two and a half hour yeah. <laughs> sequel, which is the other crazy thing about it. Yeah, like, yeah. So many horror films are like 90 minutes, if that, because it's like, how long can you maintain like some of these premises? And the fact that this is two and a half hours long and like just improves so vastly over the original and yet doesn't feel so like worn out by the time you get to like two and a half hours is crazy i mean it's it's wild like it's like a real achievement to to be able to do that i mean it's a it's an achievement to make any two and a half hour movie be compelling like throughout and not feel like you want to check your watch constantly yeah but this one like especially in the horror genre that's incredibly difficult to do so almost just for that i feel like it probably should have made my list, but I mean, it, it did not, but um, I completely understand why you would have this not only on your list, but like in the top five. I think, yeah, I'm surprised it was in the top five. I think it's it's the biggest surprise of the year for me, which is weird to say about a sequel. Yeah. I just, and oh, makes sense. Definitely. It, again, it might be a mistake. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I it might just be that he was like, well, we got a little bit more of a budget. The first one has a little bit of a following. Let's just do more of what people liked. Um, and make it bigger yep. and bolder. Um, and, you know, it has what people, I think, I think what people really liked about the first one, I'm just guessing, is, is the gore. I didn't find Art the Clown as a character is, again, I, the, the clown has been done so much. I don't know what mm-hmm. it was about Art. His costume is kind of cool. Like, he's very striking visually character but there's nothing about him in the first movie that was like i was like this is the new horror icon this is a new face of slasher film um yeah and and so i think like when he set out to do the second one um you know i i think anyone who was a fan of the first one was probably looking for more of that the gore and like i i because i genuinely don't know what else beyond the gore people saw in the first one and if that's all damien leon set out to do in the second one um then you know he achieved that for sure and there's plenty for people who like the first one there's more of that um but Mm -hmm. it's just also like it it's like just like a weird epic it's a slasher epic um it's two and a half hours long there is there is no slasher movie in the world that deserves to be two and a half hours long no um and if this was any other movie like it's that dreamlike logic again that make that works in this movie's favor because like being two and a half hours long uh, I can't watch two and a half hours of just a slasher movie. Uh, they overstay their welcome yeah. for me. I I appreciate mm-hmm. slasher slasher filmmaking, um, but somehow against all odds, he made a sequel to a movie I did not like, and he made a two and a half hour long slasher movie which shouldn't work in any universe. Mm-hmm. And it works on all those levels. It's just an incredible sequel. I hate. I just like. And I hate. I really hate having it on my list. No, no, I. but, like, you are right. Everything you said is, like, 100% accurate. Like, it should not work. It's a sequel to a, a original film that neither of us were fans of, and yet it, like, succeeds in every aspect, well and above and beyond what the original did, and is an epic. You put it perfectly, a slasher epic, which it's, like... Has that ever even been done before? Right. I, I can't think of another slasher that's maybe over two hours, let alone almost two and a half hours or whatever this exact running time is. I like, can't yeah. Either. I mean, just that that surprise factor alone. Like, I totally get why it is like not just on your list, but like a top five movie. So I, I think you're, you know, I think you make a strong argument that it probably should have been on mine, honestly. But you know, 
it's it was definitely my biggest surprise too like i said i wouldn't have even watched this if i hadn't heard from you that you actually thought it was such a market improvement over the first film yeah, it's and I and looking at my best director list and realizing that I left Damien Leone off and I, I, I mean I could add him right now. We haven't gotten there yet, but like I, I just oh, want to hey. take this opportunity to say like bravo to him. I, I am, I am in yeah. awe that he took a movie that like, it just what a sequel. Like this is proof positive that there is merit to having sequels. Like sequels are worthy of being made if they're made in this fashion mm-hmm. where they just take the first one and, um, and like. You know, again, I would I I would have looked at Terrifier one and said this doesn't deserve a sequel and I don't want to see one, um, and yet he not only did he like prove its worth and and prove to me that it was worth um, having a sequel to this to this film that I didn't like, he made it one of my favorite movies of the year and I just bravo to him. Yeah, and and you know what? Even if I dislike Terrifier two as much as I disliked the first one, which I didn't. Um, Yes, kudos to Damien Leone, and I I saw recently in the past few months he's signed with one of the big agencies now, like one of the big talent agencies. I don't know oh, if it was nice. I don't remember if it was CAA or WME or whatever. And Terrifier Two made a bunch of money in theaters as an yeah. independently produced horror film where he like he secured the financing I think independently. He used Indiegogo to I think like film some very practical effects heavy scenes, although I don't remember which ones it was. Uh, and got like five times what he asked for. I think he asked for fifty and got like two hundred fifty k to like do that spe- scene specifically. And like, it's been a success. And like we said, like even if I dislike this movie, um, I want to see all horror succeed because that just means there's going to be more horror for us. So the fact that it succeeded commercially too is a huge thing as well. And he does deserve uh, kudos, yeah, for for pulling this off and for. <laughs> For making a slasher epic, as you as you stated, I don't know which how is else just to describe a it. wild. Fr- yeah, it's a wild phrase, though. Yeah, but it's perfect. It's perfectly apt for it. Uh, all right. all right, yeah, excellent. So we're at number four now. This may be on your list. I'll be curious if it's higher or not. Um, I have Pearl at number four. I do have it higher. You have it slightly higher. Okay, perfect. What is your number four, sir? Uh, Prey, which you've now you had it yes. at what number eight. Six. I you number six. six. Okay, so we can talk about Prey now? We can definitely talk about Prey now. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather just hear what you... You know, you had it on your list first. I want to hear what you had to say, because I, I, we've talked about it a little bit. We did a whole episode with the with the um, five-day rentals five guys, so I, yeah, we, I've talked yeah. about Prey a lot, so... Yeah, and so have I. I mean, look, um, you talked about, you know, it being a film as a part of an established franchise that just... Um, steps in much like Hellraiser and is arguably as good or close to as good as you know the original or the other best in the franchise I I completely agree with Prey here I mean this is easily like 1B to the original Predators 1A in my mind I love this just as much almost almost just as much as the original Predator um, and I think it is what what really made this one stand apart from Scream 2022, which didn't make my list, was that this felt like a very fresh take on the franchise. You know, setting it in the 18, 17 or 1800s, I forget which one, um, and within the Comanche nation, like, and setting it there as opposed to so much of what we've seen either, you know, in the 1980s or 90s or, like, in the future really i think um sets it apart from so much else in the franchise and i mean 
is there with the exception of pearl and x and what it has done for mia goth is there another movie that has catapulted its lead oh yeah to stardom in the way that this has catapulted amber mid-thunder like I, this is just like a tailor-made star is born kind of film and yeah we've talked like i said we've talked about it a lot we talked about it with five day Reynolds boys i've also watched this movie three times like this of all the films i have on my list this is the one i've watched the most and i mean certainly favorite is different than best it's you know something that like we said uh larry when he had emailed less like his choices like has talked about as well um but this kind of is one that is in both categories for me this is not just one of my favorites of the year like and that i've watched it so much but i do honestly think it's one of the best uh horror films of the year so that's just what i'll say um uh, versus what we've already said about it so i'd love to hear any of your other thoughts because you had it higher than me I yeah i guess i did um i i um agree that this is Hulu did this twice this year, which is amazing. Took an established franchise yeah. and made an entry in it that is I would rank neck and neck with the original as being the mm-hmm. best. You know, I think Hellraiser was as good as the original in many respects. I think Prey uh, I liked as much as Predator um, for sure, um, and more so than Hellraiser. I like, like Prey does that thing where the the new thing that it brings to the franchise is like a really big change in setting. Um, and you know scream is doing that next year but like i i can't imagine what scream is going to bring scream 6 will bring to that franchise just by being in new york mm, yeah compared to what this setting change does for prey this is like mm. for the predator franchise this what this achieved for you know predator was always this like really advanced alien thing and and was more advanced than humans and that was but this made that you know that difference just exponential the difference between the technology um and and what it does in prey is what i love so much about the best of the terminator series for me um one thing i will never understand and i'm i know we're going off topic but like it, it just makes me think of this when i read online you know, or anywhere else, or I talk to people who are fans of the Terminator franchise, but feel like it's overstated. It's welcome, and they're like, "We just, you need to mm-hmm. make a new movie, and it has to be the future war. All I want to see is the future war. That's like all I hear sure. about Terminator franchise." And I'm like, "That is the least compelling thing about the Terminator franchise to me." Um, mm-hmm. What that movie and that series did so well for me, Terminator and Prey does the same thing. Is it pits this vastly superior technology against? Mm-hmm very outdated in 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 like a world that we can relate to and like no i've never lived in <laughs> the setting of prey you know i'm not yeah. um living in a tribe of comanche um in the whatever like early 1800s late 1700s um but i can relate to that a lot more than i can like a terminator movie that takes place in the future and everyone is just fighting machines yeah. in an, an apocalyptic setting i like seeing things in a setting that i am familiar with um and recognizing the limitations of the the main characters and identifying with that um and them having to overcome these astronomical odds against some technological foe or something like prey did that so well um yeah and it really just ups the ante in, in, in a franchise like that where you've you've seen several movies where you know what the Predator is capable of. You know why he's dangerous. Like, just having another movie where 
that same Predator character takes on just a new group of people would be boring. But to set it yeah. in this setting where these people don't have guns, they don't have any knowledge, like, this is just... They have, like, their wits and nothing else. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's... Oh, and by the way, when you talk about the best of the Terminator, your favorite's Genesis, right? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, come on. I don't get anyone who doesn't like that. I actually no, do uh... like Genesis. It's not my favorite, obviously, okay. but I, I, on... I, I found it very fun. Yeah, okay, weirdly enough, I'm with you because I'm like, well, this isn't, like canon it's just like fun fan fiction exactly you know? exactly and it's like that makes it fun like it made it more fun to me than dark fate which was trying very much to like yep. write the ship with the franchise but i don't think succeeded anywhere near like as well as it wanted to yeah and so yeah i actually kind of enjoy genesis more than dark fate because it's just more fun it's just fun um, it's a stupid silly fan fiction like exactly. you, you put it better than it any yeah exactly yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry for this like tangent that I went on just to make a joke. No, it's relevant. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, I was so annoyed when I would see this like criticism from people like, "Oh, this is unbelievable that this like it was all these like r- like incel freaking douche nozzles or whatever <laughs> who were like, how could this like woman in the you know in this tribe like take him on? That's ridiculous when all these commandos in the first movie couldn't do it. And it's like, did you watch the first Predator? Like, the first Predator might as well be, like, a, a commentary on toxic masculinity. You know, with how, like, ridiculous they are. These guys are, like, shooting their massive guns into the woods, like, willy-nilly. Like, unable to do anything. And it's not until Arnold, one of them, is able to actually, like, use his intelligence to try to, like, outsmart the Predator that, like, he's able to succeed. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, and it's the very fact that um, uh, Nauru is not seen as a threat by the predator is one of the reasons she's able to make it to the finale to defeat him oh sorry i guess that's spoilers um no that, i don't that, know that. i mean I, I mean come on i don't know if that's like too much of spoilers for the ranking but either way it, it, so much of that movie is like she's caught in like the bear trap and the predator just walks by her because he's like well a she's not a threat but b it also wouldn't be honorable to like kill her when she's trapped in this like trap that he didn't himself set right, right. so but the, that very idea is one of the reasons why she is able to succeed because she's overlooked much like she is with um, her own people at times. Right. So anyway, I mean, it's just like, I, I didn't want That was just like a little tangent I wanted to go on to about stupid takes on the movie by some people. No, no, I could not agree more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So that was your number four. That was. My number three, which you had at number seven is x all right yeah so this is interesting because you do not have pearl yet on your list and it was higher than where i had it so we have them you flipped. have yes we have them uh flipped it would seem um what i will say and maybe this is like maybe this is really isn't fair to pearl because we'll talk about it um once you mention it but Pearl kind of made me appreciate X more than I did the original the first time I watched it. Like, I loved it. I thought it was really good. It probably would have made, like, top five of my list no problem. But then watching Pearl, I think, like, elevated X for me slightly above Pearl itself. And I know that's a weird thing to say, 
but that's kind of like how I felt. Um, I enjoyed Pearl. I felt like it was a really good character study, not the best horror movie, if that makes sense. As much as I um, enjoyed it, and and it's, I mean, right behind X, so it's not that far off on my list. Um, I think X sort of scratched a little bit more of the horror itch for me, and Pearl just really informed the characters a lot more um, and kind of honestly bumped it up a little bit on my list, which I'm very curious to hear to hear your thoughts on it, though. That's really interesting. I, cause I So I saw both movies once each, and I saw them mm. literally back-to-back. Like, I had waited until Pearl was uh. out. So I watched X, and then literally the next night I watched Pearl. And I think that might have uh. colored how I viewed them, too. Um, so yeah. context, I think, is a lot here. Um, and I could talk more about it when I get when I get to Pearl on my on my list. I think because I I, I totally sure. agree with what you just said. Um, I I can't speak to whether or not Pearl because I have not gone back and watched X. Um, so I, I can't really say, you know, Pearl has changed my opinion of X. Um, but mm. I, I I can say that um, I a hundred percent agree that X scratches the horror itch much more. And like I I can't imagine anyone yeah. involved in the making of either of those movies would feel differently than that. I mean, X is so much clearly clearer uh, is is obviously just pure purely a horror movie i mean it's a slasher movie um and uh you know whether you think it's scary or not is irrelevant and it's like falls into the horror genre a lot more cleanly than pearl does um yeah that being said um i i i really what i appreciated about x is just what is the character of Pearl? And maybe that's why Pearl the movie wound up being higher on my list. It's just like, I liked X yeah. as a movie, but I found that sort of twist, never mind the fact that like the makeup and the, and the fact that she's playing both characters is like incredible. Um, mm. But that added twist, like it, it's, that is not the killer that you're expecting in a movie. Like, you know, and, and, and that's compelling to me. And, and I think X, yeah, you know, for everything it does right, like there's nothing about X necessarily that I felt was so stand out as a horror movie or as a slasher movie, mm-hmm. except that element of it. Um, and the fact that Ty West, again, shorthanded his shorthandedness and like his knowledge of the genre and his like ability to like, like it's just a well-made slasher movie for sure uh, in every respect. Yes, but, yeah. you know, without that wrinkle of, you know, Mia Goth, and her performance as both characters and the fact that Pearl is such an unlikely villain um, mm-hmm. is what really makes X stand out for me. And I, I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, well, we both have, wait, did we talk about your number three yet? Or was that just my number three? That was your, uh, we haven't done. Yeah, no, my number three. Oh, we haven't said yours. I, for some reason I wrote it down on yours and was about to say we have it in the same, place but i realized that's not true you had it at seven so i was obviously not paying attention oh yeah yeah um no i i I honestly agree with like everything you're saying which is interesting i mean i mean look i have them three and four i I feel like i could have easily flipped them and had pearl first i think certainly like i said as a character study pearl is definitely the better film um and but because there is that mystery element to pearl in x and you're wondering like you know what her so much of her motivations are and there's very much this mystery to the character that is fleshed out by pearl and and maybe that's not fair that like i you know i watched pearl 
you know, months before, I mean, excuse me, I watched X months before Pearl, and then that, like, kind of adjusted my perception of X. So maybe that isn't really fair that I'm, I'm kind of stating that, and maybe I should treat it just as, like, its own standalone film. But it's tough to do that when oh, yeah. you had two films that came out in the same year about the same character, you know, a, a film and a prequel in the same year, which is also, like, a crazy yeah. thing. We haven't even Unbelievable. mentioned that. Like, that's wild. Um, I wonder if that's ever been done, at least, you know, on this level. Not, like, some, like, super micro-budget kind of things or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, two, like, officially released films. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, they're, they're, they're so neck and neck that I could easily see myself flipping them and... You know, maybe maybe X does deserve to be four on my list and not three. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I had it a little higher and I just kind of... Like I said, it felt a little bit more like a horror movie and I think that's why I had it higher. Even though, like we say, horror can be so many things and it's a wide open genre and there's no... You know, we don't want to pigeonhole things or whatever. But anyway, I'm just rambling at this point, Nick. No, I'm you're sorry. not. No, this is... <laughs> I totally agree with all of that. Yeah, like... Again, my entire top ten, I could have just switched the order and would have been just as happy. Like, it was, mm. it, I didn't choose the order arbitrarily necessarily. Like, I really did try and rank yeah. them, but it was one of those years. And I think X and Pearl, yeah. uh, two very different movies. Like, and yeah, to to rank them almost feels like inappropriate because they're so different. <laughs> like to put one ahead of yeah. the other. So I I totally get that. Yep. And they probably like uh, they'll switch positions, I'm sure, in the future for me if I keep watching oh, them. Oh. I I could easily see them switching positions yeah. on my list with yeah, no. Definitely could. Um all right. What is your number three, so? Uh so my number three was the black phone. So now ah, that okay, was on perfect. what was that for you? That was number five, five. for okay. me. So um So you've had two that are two higher than me. Because oh, yeah. you had um you had Prey two spots higher and the black phone two spots higher than I did. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, um, that's true. Yeah. Um I'll let you talk about it because this is your choice at number three here, sir. Um Yeah, so this is one of the ones that I I I'll fully admit I, I just watched this week and I, I'd been meaning to see it. I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters, which I was disappointed about. Um But I you know, like I said before, that the I felt like this one, the hype leading up to this was pretty heavy. Um yeah. Um, or at least I, you know, I, it, it felt like the lead up to it was long, you know, cause I started reading yeah. about this movie long before it was released. Um, I have not read the short story. I can't speak to anything. Like I don't really, I'm not as familiar with Joe Hill, uh, or any of his work. Um, so, you know, I, I can't speak to whether it's a faithful adaptation, although I've read that it is, I can't speak mm-hmm. to any of that. What I can speak to is the film that I saw this week, and I really, yep. really liked it. And I will say, I did not love Sinister. Um, I, I, I need to give it another fair mm. shot. It's been a long time. Um, I didn't dislike it uh, by any means, but there was something about Sinister that I was like, I, I, maybe I was expecting something different. But, you know, since it's like a similar creative team, or at least the director and star, um, not talking about Sinister seemed a little bit weird, but to say that I sure. liked this much more than Sinister is like an understatement. I loved this movie. Um, I, I, there. This is one of the like Smile. Um, it was completely predictable, uh, but I didn't really feel like that took anything away from this. The only thing that I think that 
being predictable took away from this film is that it wasn't scary to me. Um, like I could almost not sure. call this a horror movie, um, but it clearly, you know, it clearly falls into this genre, and therefore, because I like the movie so much, it's really high on my list. Um, not a scary yeah. movie by any means, but just uh, what an effective thriller. I mean, the premise is simple, but um, I, 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 I really like movies that really. Um, that have a very light supernatural element to them. Um, like, you know, mm-hmm. this is at its heart, a movie about a kid taken captive by like, you know, a very disturbed person um, and held yeah. against his will in like a basement and like movies like that have been done, but this little added wrinkle of like the supernatural side really does make this special in my opinion. Um, and, uh, and the performances are great, you know, um, we'll get to or at least I will uh, when we get to talking about best actor and best actress and all that stuff um, you know I certainly have yeah. some people from this movie on my on my list of nominations but performances are great it directed direction yeah. uh, Scott Erickson does a great job with this movie um, I you know I like movies that are mostly contained to one location I, I think they can be extra effective if done correctly um, I had a few problems with this movie that really held it back from being higher on my list frankly like I think it it could easily have been one of my favorite movies of the year and I mean it was one of my favorite movies of the year not just in the horror genre but I think it could have been even Mm -hmm. higher Um, there are a couple things that I I, I think are were extraneous or handled in a disappointing manner but not enough to like just it's a it's an amazing thriller it's a great movie yes yeah I agree and you're not you don't know much about joe hill joe hill is one of my favorite authors okay so you talk about the lead up being well i was like oh they're making another one of his movies hell yeah like um i look horns is fine for um one of the films that's been made of based on his books but um you know it it definitely could have been better and i mean look this is the new hampshire homer in me (laughs) But when the book is set in New Hampshire and the movie gets moved to the Pacific Northwest, I'm like, come on, <laughs> you know, like that was just already a bad taste in my mouth from from horns. Um, uh, anyway, but because Joe Hill is in New Hampshire, so like, um, you know, he uh, he he sets a bunch of his books or a bunch of his books have been set in New Hampshire. Anyway, um, I love this story. It's a part of uh, his uh, short um, collection. Um, I believe 20th Century yep. Ghosts is the name of it. Um, and it was a fantastic story in there. I agree because you know me, like I'm not the biggest fan of the supernatural stuff. And I think this was like the perfect amount of supernatural elements that like work could work for me without it being like full on supernatural stuff. Um, and really like this is a movie about like trauma and, um, you know, told through the horror or thriller genre, but you you mentioned it not being super scary. I kind of agree with that, but I will say it's tense. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it is intense at times, uh, th- or through a, throughout a lot of it. And so there are some definitely very like tense, nerve wracking scenes um, throughout it, which I think are like really well done, like really masterfully done. Um, you know, we talked about Damien Leon and his like and uh, and excuse me and um finn there for smile like they're like sure-handed directing i think this has some really sure-handed directing as well throughout the vast majority of it yeah 
Um, yep. So I that that's also where I'll give um, a bunch of credit there for uh, Scott Derrickson who directed it. I yes, a hundred percent agree. There is some stuff that he does in this movie. Um, you know, without spoiling anything, I think it's fair to say like the fact that you know when his name is I know we're talking about Parker Finn, but his name is Finn, the main character's yes. name is also Finn. If I'm not mis- or Finney oh, yes. or whatever yeah. in the Black Phone, <laughs> yes. so it's confusing. Yes. But um, that would be there bad. are certainly some some scenes where you know he's talking on 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 the Black Phone in the basement, and like the first time, first time or two that that happens, it's a normal conversation. Um, but then you know as the movie progresses, you start seeing the person that he's speaking to kind of in the background, like mm-hmm. saying their lines as you hear them through the phone, like distorted as if they were coming through a phone. Um, yeah, and that could have easily been done in a weird gimmicky way that kind of like does not work, and yet he does it. Yeah, like it, it, it's one of those things that like could easily have taken away a lot from the movie if not done as well as it was done. And in fact, it winds up adding a little bit of a layer to that movie that I think worked really well and was extremely effective, especially when you get towards the end. Um, and he's talking to—is it Robin? the character's name like his friend i think so that was his like good yeah and like you see robin kind of like training in the background behind him like Mm -hmm. super effective like so so well done and not just like the idea of it but the way that it's framed and the way that robin kind of ducks into the background in the shadows um in the very final shot that you see him in um easily could have been this really cheesy corny element that just ruined essentially the main hook of that movie which is that he's talking to the previous victims like that's such a core component mm-hmm. of the movie that to handle it in that way is risky in my opinion because um, I just again I think seeing mm. them easily could have ruined the movie and yet it adds to it it adds this extra dimension that like a lesser director could have fumbled so easily yeah you're absolutely right yeah as you were saying that I was thinking yeah if if he wasn't as sure handed like that could have been an element that just came off really hokey hokey yeah and it comes off really well in this and uh i agree with you completely yeah i think it worked really well yeah that was excellent so yeah really great movie i i loved it i will i can't say enough good stuff about it yeah no it was it was awesome uh okay we're to the bottom two we are and i'm curious because my number two and again this might be perhaps the wildest pick on my entire list i have resurrection as my number two horror movie of the year which sounds like it didn't make your list it this is really terrible i just realized i marked two movies as number four on my list somehow um Oh, did so you? one of my top movies will not make my top ten, but I can talk about it later. This was weird. So okay. Prey got marked number okay. four, and somehow I marked another movie number four, which I can talk about later. Um, oh, it wasn't no Resurrection, Resurrection though, was it? No, is okay. marked number eleven. Oh, it's just so just outside just okay. outside my top ten. So sorry, I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to take away from your your pick. No, um, no, 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 no. I was no, just realizing no, that in real time. I, I totally get um, it. Yeah, Resurrection. Wow, you know, I did not expect it to be in your top two. I look i know this is again i think if anyone listening to this especially if they weren't big fans of it, they're like what the hell are you talking about um because this movie is wild there are some very wild elements to this movie and i get it if it did not work for you um i totally understand that uh to me it did 
and I think it is carried like so strongly by the performances, mm-hmm. particularly of uh, Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth, oh, yeah. and our two lead. I mean, essentially the. the I mean, her, uh, Rebecca Hall's, you know, the, her character's daughter is in the movie, and that's pretty much like those three, and then like one guy is like a fourth character, and that's almost all you see, except for like her, like intern. Right, her intern is in it. A fair <laughs> like amount, at work. But... I mean, it's, uh, that's like, that's really it. I mean, there's like four or five characters in this movie, basically. So, um, but it's really her and Tim Roth that are just carrying this movie, and I, man, I, I, I don't want to say what I think it's about or things like that or what certain things mean because I don't want to spoil them as we're in the non-spoiling aspect here of the rankings. But it worked for me. I felt some of the stuff that happens, especially at the end, tied into specific deeper themes and meanings, which I don't want to say because I don't want to mess anything up or ruin anything for people. And um, the performances especially were just like powerhouses for me. And I, I really enjoyed it. That's what I can say without saying anything too much to spoil it. That Resurrection could have really come off hokey, and I'm sure to some people it did or come off poorly. To me, I really loved it and thought it was great. Um, And I would love to hear what you (laughs) have to say about it here, especially as we're in non-spoiler territory. Because we've had some discussions. We have, yeah. I was going to say, we've talked about it, um, and I I, I think your takes on it and again not to mention spoilers but you're you're yeah when we got into those details um i I think you were right on the money with all of them um like you pointed some stuff out that i didn't catch at all that i really appreciated um that added added to the movie for me um i I, quite honestly i think this movie should have been higher in my top 10 i i just like i look back at it and i'm like well there's a lot it's a very disturbing movie but it almost it didn't feel like a mm-hmm. horror movie like through and through to me. But now I'm you know neither did sure. the black phone and neither so I'm like I'm you know I'm full of shit. It should have made my top ten. It's it's great uh, the performances, especially if you said the two leads, uh, Tim Roth and, and Rebecca Hall are just are just um, like breathtaking. I mean they they're they're both mm-hmm. incredible. Um, Rebecca Hall is is incredible in everything I've seen her in, and and Tim Roth of course yeah. is is an amazing actor, but. Um, you know, it, it's material that is is like it, they're dealing with material that is just so outrageous in some ways. When you think mm-hmm. about it, like the trauma yeah. that you've alluded to, that like that she has suffered, um, and that you know a lot of those deeper things may have been referencing um, when you get to the ending, uh, mm-hmm. is is so outrageous. I know people for sure get gaslighted in similar ways and, and, and have their lives, you know, like suffer um, the kind of uh, mental abuse that Rebecca Hall's character has mm. suffered in this movie. But just the extremes that those specifics, um, those extremes that like she has suffered at the hands of Tim Roth, um, and certainly when you get to the end, that extreme, um, the, the yes. final act are, are so out there that, um, it's amazing when you look at the performances that they can take material like that and make it this believable and like relatable. Um, you know, when you look back at the movie and you're like, holy shit, that ending, like, oh my gosh, like, what does it all mean? Yeah. Um, 
it's amazing that you look back at it and you're like taking this movie seriously like because it so easily could have gone off the rails with how you know out there it is um and yet it's so grounded because of the performances i mean like the first two-thirds of the movie Mm -hmm. could just are just like a perfect like pitch perfect psychological thriller um it's only really when you get into the ending no spoilers again that um it veers into that sort of extreme direction but um but then like once you've seen the full movie and you look back on it it's it's just hard to believe how grounded they were able to keep this movie yes and and i think you mentioned it on um maybe it was the episode with christine where i think you said something to the effect of like your your mileage or will vary or like how you react to the last third of the movie will depend how you yeah whether you enjoy or dislike the movie basically i think so and uh, yeah i completely agree because yes it gets wild but in a way that i think is like sort of the power of like visual storytelling where you know we can't take everything we're seeing literally we have to think about the like you know themes that it's going for basically and again maybe that's even too much i don't know um but i, I don't i may mean, say that it's too much maybe to spoil things but yeah i mean all i can say is that it worked for me but i completely get it if it did not for other people who are listening to me have this as my number two movie horror movie of the year and are thinking what are you talking about um so no i I think a theme this year for these movies um resurrection being a great example and, and a couple other ones that we have talked about and then another one or two that we have yet to talk about um something that i will say that 2022 had going for it is how how boldly and bravely off the rails some of the movies go in their final half or final acts um there are yes. a few movies this year that really do that to a degree that i'm not used to seeing especially in mainstream mm-hmm. like a resurrection was more of like i would say an independent movie than something like you know barbarian which we can talk about um sure. but regardless you know, both movies go so fully off the rails at one point in in a way that I th- I could easily, very easily see um, turning off a lot of viewers. And that's what I meant, I think, when we were yeah. talking with Christine about Resurrection and the final third of the movie. Um, I think that movie, like, when it makes that turn in Resurrection, like, I almost feel like it's a shame because I, I could easily see a lot of people walking out of that movie being like, you know, just discounting the whole thing. And like not realizing that yeah, the first rolling two thirds, their rolling their eyes and being like, yeah. "What a piece of garbage!" And not realizing that even with yeah. if you just lopped off that last third, the first two thirds of that movie are such a powerful and perfectly executed psychological thriller as like a standalone thing. Yeah, like there's another movie there I think where like there's like an alternate last third, and you have just like this pure, sure. you know, and that that it I, I can walk I can see people walking out of the theater and being like I wish I saw that movie, but instead what I mm. imagine is a lot of people walking out of the theater and completely forgetting about the first two thirds because they were so upset with like the final third. Um, and that's like a shame. And I think that's what you know, like for me the final third worked. And so my mileage was mm-hmm. that I really loved this movie and like it was nearly in my top 10. It probably should have been. Um, but I, I can see for every one person, I think, who felt like that, there were probably five or six who were just like, nah, it was, it's garbage. Like the, the ending completely ruins it or whatever. Yeah. And I, again, I get it if people felt that way, but I, I do agree with you that like, yes, 
it would be discounting to the film as a whole to just write it off based on the final third basically because you're right like that the first two thirds even if we got say like that same first two thirds and a very much more conventional ending or something i think it would be on a lot of people's lists at the end of the year and i think it's really just that wildness at the end which again like if people watch it like you can't take it literally is what i'm (laughs) gonna say which maybe is too much of a spoiler again um but anyway um yeah it's just it's really phenomenal and i know we've been talking about it for a while now well it's worthy um, of it so i don't want to just harp on it yeah i think it is i mean it, it i really think it is and i mean we both really loved it and i would i really hope people see it but again i i get it if people aren't into it um but it definitely worked for me i totally agree yeah now i'm very curious what you have at number two because i'm I'm curious if we have the same number one uh we don't have the same number one and i'm actually curious what yours is because i'm not sure now i can't think of what your number one might be my number two is um barbarian actually oh so we could still technically have it right uh the the same number one the last yeah because was there anything else oh no no, never mind i know i know your number one probably um okay excellent yeah let's talk about barbarian so here's what i will say the only reason this is probably lower on my list than it where it is for a lot of people's like like years at number two is it it definitely left me a little cold at the end of it and i think part of that is not necessarily like the fault of the movie or the filmmakers but i have a real trouble when i see like um this is I know this is weird to say as someone who watches a bunch of horror movies, but when I see like dehumanization on screen, it really is like affecting yeah. to me. Not and I'm not make passing this as like a judgment, but just based on the way that some of the individuals in the film are forced to live, it was very dehumanizing in a way that like um it just, it, it just kind of puts me in almost like a depressive funk a little bit sometimes. So I, I barbarian i think is a good film it just isn't one that i was the biggest fan of but it's a weird thing to say when it's not really the fault of like the film or the filmmakers or anything do you you know what i mean it's ah, it's a weird thing to put i'm trying to explain it in a way that hopefully makes sense to people no i mean i haven't seen the movie i totally get it i know exactly what you're saying (laughs) and i agree with you i think you're you're right and there's that really does color my view of the movie too um Mm -hmm. for me it's like the idea and i don't know if this is exactly what you mean by dehumanization here but like um it's just one thing that i like the idea of um uh i don't even know how to put this like but like like villains like the villains of horror movies being like just like um how do i put this um victims of circumstance yeah that's one yeah um but to treat like 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 essentially uh like mentally incapacitated people as like these Mm. monsters um and i know obviously it's like ridiculous you look at a movie like hills have eyes or you look at this and you're just like this is taken to such an extreme that like it's almost it's not offensive necessarily but i also there's something that for me that it bothers me all the same and like look yeah political correctness and all that stuff like i can look past this stuff i know it's taken to such an extreme it's cartoonish um you know and and like 
you know, at the, by the end of the movie, like you, there's like a there's like this humanity in that character and oh. like she's very sympathetic. Yeah. But like just the cartoonishness of it in itself can kind of be mm-hmm. off putting. Um well, in the name of the movie, is barbarian, barbarian, which is exactly so. It's almost like it's what it's saying about exactly people in a way, and the fact that the street is like was it like Barbary Lane yep. or whatever it is or something that they're on. It's something like that. So yeah, I mean, it's a, there's there's that element to it too. Now, what I will say is, I think we've talked about sure-handed directing. I think this is really sure-handed directing from someone whose only other directing was a really poorly received comedy film that they i think weren't really like you know a a big fan of the material or whatever so like like their directing and ability is really strong Mm -hmm. here i think the horror notes hit really well i think the comedy notes hit really well like it strikes that great balance between the two and um i really appreciate one thing i really appreciate about this film is that it really um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It really subverts your expectations. Yeah. Like you think it's going to go one way and you think characters are maybe going to grow in a certain way or going to change in a certain right. way. And then it really subverts them in other ways where, um, which really plays upon kind of our perceptions of films and like where we're used to them going and plays off of them in a really strong way. So I think there's a lot of really big positives to Barbarian, um, but it's just lower on my list because of the, what we've already talked about nothing we need to go over again uh but i'd love to you know if you have what else anything else you want to add on barbarian there yeah uh well look and i think i might i might talk about it later too when we're going into more specific categories but you know um i totally agree i think that that first of all when that movie was over and i looked up more about it because i went in this is one of those movies where i i tried to avoid everything about it i didn't see any trailers and i went in completely blind and it was all the better for it um but I really had read nothing about it, and when I went, when I left the movie and kind of looked up, um, I can't think of his name right now, Zach Kreger or Kreger or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, like because I've watched his sketch, con- like the whitest kids you know that series. Yeah, whitest kids um, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I'm familiar with that series. I really like it, um, and I couldn't believe that this was like the same guy who directed like you know that ongoing civil war on drugs sketch that like in itself was kind of like a you know like that that's that was such a but then. It's funny because at the same time, on the one hand, I was like, "That's crazy to me," and on the other hand, looking back at Barbarian, I'm like, "No, I can totally see it." That that's like, you know, some of those decisions I think that you're alluding to, like that redemption arc for the one character that you're really waiting, you're like, you're it's right there and you're ready for it to happen, and mm-hmm. it doesn't happen, and the way that it subverts your <laughs> expectations of that, um, like sort of a film convention, um, like yeah. that's an element that I can see people turning turning people off too. Um, you know, you want to see that redemption arc, but then when it doesn't happen, it, hap- it doesn't happen in such an immediate way. It's like, um, it, yeah. it's just like a smack in the face, and it's so funny um, that it's done in that manner. That it for me, it works so well. Um, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. The the way that not just that it subverts it, but that it does it in such uh, pitch perfect ways that like really strike a proper balance and like really work. Uh, within the film is I think like what really heightens them as yeah, well. Cause it builds, you, know, you can subvert. That. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you can subvert expectations, but then it just, it feels like false 
but it, there here it actually does feel very true yeah and so yeah it, it, it works very much on that level it's a very like rug out from under you moment where it was like it really was building towards one thing and then when it when it when the, when they like pull back the curtain and you're like oh no it's like he's staying yeah. the same um you know look if you made yeah. it that well, far and, in the and, movie then like that that alone shouldn't turn you off like there's yes and there's a few of them too i mean we're talking about one very specific one but i think there's a few moments where in the movie where you know you have expectations based on previous horror oh, films sure. based on what things characters are saying and things like that and yet that changes very quickly and it works very yeah. well um every time that they that they do it now one criticism i will have um for as well written as it is and how it strikes um this you know strong balance between the horror and the comedy and and does it scares very well i think you know for it it certainly is up there as one of the scarier horror films of the year for yeah me. i would agree um it is a horror film where you you sort of have to buy into the bad decisions being made by some of the characters oh for sure and i mean it was one where i was just sort of like what are you doing you know there was a number of times i was essentially like yelling at the screen in my head of like oh come on like you can't make that decision right now um and i'm not talking about the beginning i think the beginning they do a really smart job actually of making it which i don't think this ruins anything like the the beginning of the film is you know um our main character has pulled up to what is an airbnb she can't get in because the key's not in the little lockbox only to find out that there's someone who has already rented it off of a competing like um house share service and you would think okay no woman in her right mind in the middle of the night in a rainstorm is gonna like go into this house with this strange man she's never met before blah 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 blah. they do a really good job actually of like getting you to a point where like oh i can buy in actually that she like does come into the house and you know is in there etc i'm talking about later in the film when like she understands what the dangers are and or that there something is going on and like still stays or goes back in and stuff like that so in those cases i'm just like come on so in in that i also think kind of bumped it down a little bit in my list where there's these horror movie decisions basically or movie decisions really i don't want to just single out horror films but these movie decisions where you're just like no way like this is only happening to further the plot or to further the story basically um which is a little disappointing but overall it's a very strong film yeah uh that's a really good point i think that um there the first 40 minutes of this movie are some of the most tense moments in horror for me in in years um you know certain beats especially but just in general what you just talked about like the idea of a woman being in that situation in the middle of a terrible neighborhood on a rainy night um and having to get into like go into a house with a stranger a strange man who she's never met before and like trust like obviously like as a man i can't even begin to relate to how i'm sure a lot of audience members felt when they watched this Mm -hmm. movie but what i what i can say is that like the movie does such a slow deliberate meticulous job of setting that up 
and you see the character and you're like what are, like just like you said like what are you doing but it does it in a way where like slowly unraveling and you're like okay no i can believe it she doesn't have a choice given the other options mm-hmm. she's being smart about it she's like you know he's offering her a drink of wine and she turns it down and he understands why without her actually saying it and he's like no i totally get why you wouldn't want to have this and then discussing that dynamic um Mm-hmm. there's so much of that like that that all could have been glossed over and she could have just gone in there to further the plot and i would have been like well she's an idiot and she deserves what's coming to her and this is it <laughs> but because they do such a slow job unraveling that when you get to like the 35 or 40 minute mark and the characters start making decisions that are stupid like typical horror movie decisions mm-hmm. at that point i'm like is this even the same character but again it pulls the rug out from you so quick like as soon as i have that thought like is this the same character things just change so quickly and so abruptly in such a dramatic mm-hmm. fashion that I'm like, holy shit, okay, I'm along for the ride now. Like, I, I'm this is a different movie than I thought it was going to be uh, five minutes ago. Um, like, a very yes. different movie. But, uh, like, I bought into that because I think because the first 40 minutes are so, again, meticulously paced and played out, um, that that sort of twist and change in direction is like it's such like a neck snapping sort of like tug in another direction that um mm-hmm. it's so dramatic that I couldn't help but feel like it almost took me out of the movie but in a good way like it was so dramatic mm-hmm. that I was like oh my god okay we're about to start a completely different movie than I was expecting up until this point <laughs> but I appreciated yeah. like that the abruptness and the suddenness and like how dramatic that turn was could have easily taken me out of the rest of the movie for, for that that could have been it for me sure. but the way that it was handled up until that point i was almost like i pulled out of the movie for a minute and i was like holy okay like let me just get my bearings here mm-hmm. this is not what i expected but i really appreciate how boldly they are going into this new direction i am yes. back in this thing like a hundred percent and they do that several times where i'm like you know expecting yeah. one thing and they're building towards one thing and then it just goes in so many directions like this is a genuinely unpredictable movie for me um there are so many beats in this movie like as a whole the movie was not what i expected as it's going along there are twists and turns that i was not expecting and in each of those cases it was like so abrupt and so dramatic of a shift for me that beyond like Mm -hmm. a little bit that just kind of reminded me oh my god yeah i am watching a movie because like this could have been another movie entirely if this shift in direction hadn't happened so i'm like tugged out of it for a minute mm-hmm. and i'm like oh okay yeah i'm like i i kind of wish i was watching another movie but i am totally on board for what they just did because i'm like i'm i give the filmmakers so much credit for shifting in this direction i'm back into it right away um it's yeah. weird in that in that way like it, it's a movie that reminds you you're watching a movie so much so frequently mm-hmm. and yet it does it in a way that i think is really effective um and that's unusual, and it's hard to do. Um, yeah. And believe me, and goes. I wish there was a universe where that first forty minutes was the full movie. Like I, I want to see the movie that mm. logically extends from the thirty-five or forty-minute mark of Barbarian. Um, there's an alternate universe where that exists, and it's just this really slow burn thriller, and like just deeply uncomfortable. That could have gone in mm-hmm. like this easily could have been one of the scariest movies ever made if it had gone in that direction. Um, so yeah. there's like, you know, part of me that's disappointed that it, I don't have that movie to look back on in the beginning of 2023 and to say like, wow, you know, that alternate version of Barbarian 
the one that was just played it completely seriously from the get go all the way through to the end. That was a mm. that was a killer movie. That was as good as a horror movie as I've seen in years. I want that movie so badly, yeah. but what we got, I just had so much fun with that I can't even be that disappointed. Really. Yeah, yeah. What we got was still a very fun uh, and compelling film. Yeah. Um, and struck a lot of really great notes. Um, but I agree with you. But the film we also got, also I will say, added a lot of like uh, questions about like the house oh, yeah. and like ownership <laughs> of it and like things. And I'm like, wait, oh, yeah. what? Like, how did he? And what did this? And you know, yeah. so there's like some of those elements too, where I just you just kind of have to, I think, let some of those things go. And and same with some of those bad decisions by characters. But I think, like you said, like the sure-handed directed directing of Kreger, like it whipsaws you and and makes you, like you said, it reminds you you're in a movie so much, but does well does so so well that you're still like invested all the way through, even with all of those things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it that's a real testament to his directing ability because that's pretty. That's a pretty tall feat, and he pulls it off. It is. So, kudos to him. I feel, and I, I'm sorry, I rambled so much there. Like, that was just a long no, rambling, no. and I don't think I really even said as effectively what I wanted to say. But I, I, it, it's essentially four or five different movies stacked into one, and it shouldn't work. Yeah. And yet it does, you know, like, and, and each of those movies has some interesting, you know, social commentary. Like, again, we discussed the woman. Um, being in that position where she's forced to, you know, trust this strange man and, you know, and then mm-hmm. you reach the 40 minute mark and then suddenly it's like a movie about the Me Too movement. And you're yeah. like, okay, this is <laughs> different social commentary, but equally as effective. Okay. I like, you know, and then. And and then you see how that ties into the original exactly. film based on like what's going on. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Which yeah. is, which was cool. That's that. And that's. And also, I just I love Justin Long, and him playing such a shitbag mm-hmm. is was amazing. Such great <laughs> casting. Oh, he he is. I think he's like a a very good actor who like gets moments to shine like this every once yeah. in a while. And I like that he enjoys to like work within the horror genre as well as the comedy genre that he's more right. known for. Although, like I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Tusk, for instance, but I think he's really good in that. And I think the first like half of that movie is really strong, and then it kind of goes downhill after that but yeah he is just like pitch perfect in this movie and i'm sure maybe we'll be talking about him later on when we're talking about the categories and stuff um but yeah he he really is fantastic and just like the way he and the filmmaker just like the timing on some of the comedy (laughs) stuff they have is just like it really is amazing i mean that's what i say like when it it hits the horror beats well and it hits the comedy beats really well and they really they work together really strongly in this film, which is yeah, it, he, he's fantastic. Yeah. Totally. All right, number All right. one. Well, number one, and I, I'm really I mean I know what yours is yeah. now, but this is surprising to me that this wasn't on your list anywhere, because to me I think when I look at all the horror films this year, this is the one that I think was overall had the biggest like. Um, not big but like everything was like it was it was a master craftsman making a film that was wholly realized and visualized and 
came together very strongly and dealt with some like themes that I think were really compelling and interesting. And that is Jordan Peele's Nope. I haven't seen it. Did you? You haven't that, seen it. Okay. I'm okay. Embarrassed to say that I have not gotten around to it. No, that hey, I man, there are some on my list that I didn't get to, and I'm just like, you know, we don't we run out of time. We're not we're not film reviewers, you know. I mean, like we've got jobs. Like I get it. Um, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele. Obviously, I love Get Out. Um, I think you know Us was good, but definitely like a step down from Get Out. Nope, I thought was fantastic and was like a real kind of like comeback for him after like a, like a the most minor of sophomore slumps if i can say that because uh <laughs> i i don't i don't say that i don't mean that to say that like us is not a good movie i think it is um this is a film that oh gosh how much do i want to talk about now if you haven't seen it either let alone our listeners um man it's a film to me about like social media and the internet and our like entire like online presence and like how that constantly has to be like um fed and attended to essentially and if you don't the only way to win is to not play basically if that makes any sense whatsoever um and i think you know you can make movies with themes that like are very heavy-handed or that like go over people's heads and i think like this and us are ones that he made it were kind of like went over people's heads in some ways when i saw some of like the negative reaction to nope for instance um and he's just a like we're talking about the visual story the visual uh storytelling with resurrection i think this is a really strong visual storytelling film where you have to really kind of be thinking about what things represent in ways that like most films most films are going to spoon feed you and this i think like has trust in the audience in the same way that i think resurrection does which then i think makes them sometimes polarizing films and um it worked for me really well in both resurrection and nope and um that's why it's my number one of of the year that's i'm so disappointed i haven't seen it because i i I hate to not be able to talk about your number one pick. It's no, no, that's that's totally fine. I get it. I, you know, there's so many movies that I didn't get to either, and a couple big ones. So I, I hear you. Yeah, this was definitely the biggest gap. And honestly, I probably sh- I should have watched it this week. I think I, I once it came out, um, you know, on VOD, and and um, mm. people have been watching it at home because a lot of people I know, you know, haven't gone to see a movie since before the pandemic really um yeah yeah. and those people finally caught nope and i was talking to them more recently about it and i think the impression they were giving off was like well it's not really a horror movie but you know but it it, like i i kind of felt that way about like get out too it's like not really you know or i can see the horror elements but there's nothing like that it's there's so much social commentary and so much comedy layered on top of that Mm -hmm. that i could easily so, so that didn't really like i didn't like dismiss it as not a horror movie but i think it just when I was sure. looking back at the movies that I missed this year, that one didn't then scream to the top, and I'm really disappointed I have not seen it and can't talk about it with you. Because um, I want to yeah, see it. No, that's, I mean, yeah, and I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope I'm not overhyped. No, no, for I'm you. sure I will. Um, 
yeah, and I, I mean, I don't even necessarily disagree with like the people, like the friends that you're mentioning, who are like, it's not really a horror movie, but. I feel like there's so many horror movies. Like again, we've talked about that, right? The horror genre just. Oh, there are movies like on my list this year hell. that I've already said aren't really horror movies. And I, yeah, yeah, but but like, it's also like I mean, genres are made up, right? <laughs> right. So like everything can be whatever, and so many you know films fall into multiple genres. So I get why you know people would think that like, oh, it's not really a horror movie or whatever. Um, to me personally it is because you know I have that big umbrella for horror and I you know it definitely falls under it for me and there's definitely like scary aspects to the film um, that are you know horrifying um, but it is like I don't want to say anymore I'll, I'll stop it there actually and, and once you see it we can talk more yeah about I'm looking it. forward to it and I am very curious yeah what you what you think about it but anyway now we're to your number one sir which <clears throat> I believe if I've done my uh, ranking math correctly in my head is Pearl. It is. Your number one? It is Pearl. Right. And I... <laughs> this movie that I put... I said I, I had two number fours by mistake. And the other one... <laughs> I had. If you looked at my list, you'd see that I crossed out two other numbers before it landed on number four with another movie that was number four. Um, uh, uh, and those numbers were one, two, and three. Um so this other movie that didn't wind up making my top 10 because I made a stupid mistake could have easily been in this top <laughs> position, which is interesting. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Interesting. Um, okay. But yes, Pearl, well, Pearl is my know. official number one. Um, and, uh, Excellent. And we, we talked a little bit about it when we talked about X, but it's not, for me, yeah. again, very much not a horror film. But just because it's so tied into mm. what was a slasher film, it's hard for me to separate them. Um, and yeah. I think even harder because I saw them, like I said, back to back on two different nights. I think if I had seen both of them theatrically when they released, there'd be enough of a gap that I don't even know how I'd, you know, if I'd rank these differently or whatever. But like in my mind, mm-hmm. they're just two inseparable films. Like they could easily be one, uh, and that could yeah, again be the yeah. context in which I watched both of them. But uh not really a horror movie by any means except for that it ties into one i mean and and there's like some gruesome deaths at some point but for for the most part it's just it's just such a first of all it's just such a different movie from x which is fun to just think about how he made both of these movies at at the same time essentially and they both released in the same year um they both star you know the same creative team and the same and and yet and the same character even, but the movies could not be like more different in tone. Um, uh, you know, Pearl is just such like a, it's like a technicolor. It just like pops off the screen. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. got this, it's, it's, I, I don't even know what I can say about it, except that it's incredible that this movie, you know, which is a spinoff from a horror, like a slasher film, and is made by like a, a horror filmmaker is is what mm-hmm. it is and how it is you know again like it could not be less yeah. horror really in a lot of respects um and yet it's number one on my horror list um because it's just so well realized like i can't I can't say enough about how this is like a spin-off of a of a, another movie, a slasher movie, 
and you know mm-hmm. like a slasher movie in itself shouldn't spawn a good spin-off and yet this is a spin-off prequel that came out less than a year later and is maybe meatier of a movie in so many ways um performances top notch the writing is is solid mm-hmm. and sharp the you know it's gorgeous to look at um it has so much going for it and i almost feel like it shouldn't have any of those things going for it that the fact that it exists and is such a incredible standalone film is like a miracle frankly yeah no i mean and from what i understand like they were in new zealand to make x like you know they had to go to new zealand uh, quarantine for 14 days before they um you know could actually start shooting and then but once they were there like they were, had a lot of freedom um to to make the film and while they were doing it um ty west said to um to mia goth uh mia goth like you know i've got this idea yeah. and would you be interested essentially yeah. and so i think he got the funding because it was like one million i think to make x and i think he got funding for like another million to make pearl which is like it's crazy insane. right while you're overseas on the other side of the world like you know to to then make this prequel essentially which is just wild but i think one of the reasons it is so tonally different not just because that's what they were going for but i think that pearl was primarily written by mia goth it seems like Mm. um at least at least based on the imdb credits you know ty west gets the characters created by and mia goth is listed as the actual writer so it's perhaps that, and maybe this is him being magnanimous, I don't know, um, but it seems like he definitely had the premise, and then Mia Goth really got a chance to flush out the character in ways that um, maybe she wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, but again, like, that's just the IMDb credit, I don't know, like, you know, the real story behind that. Um, but I think what's really compelling is, you know, we talk about them being such different movies, but at their core, they're really about two women who have dreams of stardom mm-hmm. in different eras and they are both kind of an ode to like the showbiz or an aspect of the showbiz of that era you know um x is like this dirty grimy 70s slasher and it's set in the 70s and is about the dirty grimy porn right. business uh basically right pearl is shot like it's a 1940s or 50s kind of like studio hollywood film it is about like the dreams of being like a star you know dancer and stuff in that showbiz era and and very much is made in that same way um and and they both succeed like so well in that aspect of it and they're it's so interesting for films that are essentially about the same thing to be made so differently and both be so you know compelling and um well made in the same year it it really is just this crazy feat by um by ty west and i'm sorry to talk so much about x as well as uh pearl but they're they're so in the so you have to i mean they're so linked that it's kind of crazy not to discuss one with the other um but i think you know mia goth really gets a chance to shine even more so in pearl than she does in x which is crazy that she plays two characters in x but is given the chance to really shine because she just can really dig into this one character and really just like occupies the screen for almost the entire film it feels like um i'm trying to think if there were any scenes where she just like wasn't on it at all um i mean maybe there's a couple shots here or there 
And then, of course, that final shot yeah. of her. Uh, unbelievable. Which they hold as the credits are rolling yeah. is just like unbelievable i mean i mean i mean her monologue is fantastic her entire performance is fantastic but just like i can not imagine what it was like trying to hold that smile at the end as the credits are rolling i mean it was it's wild it it really is like um incredible feats by both ty west and mia goth in both of these films this year uh really fantastic totally yep can't say enough about about just about that accomplishment of, of churning out not just two movies that in itself is like an accomplishment to, to make two feature films but to make two great movies mm-hmm. that are so tonally different but also both really mm-hmm. masterpieces in their own right like they're two of the best horror movies again if you want to call them horror movies in in recent memory uh, certainly of this year um, to do that in the same yeah. calendar year is insane to me Yes, and, and as evidenced by the fact that both of them made both yeah, of our lists, right. I, our our lists probably diverged a little bit more than I was expecting them to. But the fact that we both had um, both of the films on here, I think, is a real testament to to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And this is another movie that, like, Prey, is really just like about one person being like a revelation. I mean, Mia Goth is like incredible. She owns this movie. Yeah. There's like, um, you Absolutely. can't think of that movie without like you said thinking of her face like it's impossible um yes and she may very well be in like you know nearly every shot like you said um but like just all even if she wasn't um apart from being the title character of course um it's just she dominates this movie um yeah the monologue and 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 the end credits in themselves i think like you said are are just examples of just how much this movie is built on her um but just everything around the too is just her performance is like really just stunning it's remarkable um mm-hmm. this was like a great year for strong female perform lead performances yes that was the hardest one i had uh, a problem narrowing down to five and intentionally wrote like honorable mentions underneath it that like i wanted to shout out even though they didn't get nominated. oh sure yeah yeah <laughs> But but easily that was the hardest category as we get into our awards later that I had to narrow down. There was so so many strong uh, actress performances oh, yeah. this year. Yep, there's a, a movies that haven't even been mentioned yet that are going to be in my like specific categories, um, and oh, yeah, yeah, one of them here. being yep. best actress, and it's just yep for that reason. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right. Uh, okay, so to recap. Nick's rankings for his uh, top 10 horror films of the year are number 10, Deadstream, number 9, Hellraiser, Smile at 8, X at 7, number 6 was Scream 2022, uh, Terrifier 2 at 5, Prey at 4, The Black Phone at 3, Barbarian at 2, and number 1 was Pearl. Uh, my top 10 were number 10, See For Me. Number nine, Fresh. Number eight, Sissy. Number seven, Barbarian. Number six, Prey. Number five, The Black Phone. Pearl at number four. X at number three. Resurrection at two. And Nope at number one. That concludes our top ten rankings. But Nick, I'm sure you got some honorable mentions, man. What do you, what else did you have that just didn't make your list? 
besides what we've talked about so far. For, for best movies of the year, really just one, and it's the one that actually did make my list, but I fucked up. Um, which uh, <laughs> I, I is probably going to be on nobody else's list, frankly. Um, it's Speak No Evil, um, which um, on Shutter, uh, yeah. I, I, I know a lot of people really disliked it. Um, mm-hmm. And specifically, I know that people disliked it because they hated the two main characters and felt like every decision they made was the wrong decision. Um, and, uh, let me just say that I totally understand that. And I think that if I was in a different situation in my life, I might feel the same, but, Mm. um, as someone with, you know, a couple young kids, um, watching this movie shook me in a way that I was not expecting. Um, this is the most yeah. physical discomfort that I've had watching a movie in years. Um, the tension wow. I, it, for me was just, I, I, I can't say enough about it. I just think if you're looking at a, at a, it's like a, a, thr- a psychological thriller or just even, a, you know, that type of horror that stems entirely from the tension. Um, I, I, I don't think that there's a better example than this um but again i think the lo- the caveat there is that like you have to be able to relate to characters that are in this situation in in their lives and um i could definitely see you looking at those two main characters and and saying like why didn't they just leave this house um without giving a spoiler like, they had every opportunity to do it they kept coming back they're idiots they made every wrong decision what i think the movie does so well and again, maybe this is my personality, is the two leads, their guilt in, in feeling like they need to give this family that's hosting them another chance. Um, that maybe there was a misunderstanding, that, you know, like, they're, like these nagging little points of guilt that they're willing to give this family the benefit of the doubt, that even though there's red flags everywhere, um, they feel there's like this nagging sense that maybe it's their fault and 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 that the red flags are just like misconceptions and that they're they're misperceiving things and they're misunderstanding things that have been said or things that have been done um that are are major red flags in any other horror movie so i can see a horror fan watching this and being like you idiots get out of there like i told like there's no reason for you to stay but i think Mm -hmm. they do such a good job in those quieter private moments between the two main characters, the husband and wife, um, when they're talking about leaving or not leaving or going back or not going back where that decision-making process spoke so much to me in like that little Mm. bit of like feeling bad that you're like, you know, you don't want to offend someone who's maybe playing host and you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I, for me, that worked really well. And that's a make or break thing. I can see why people hated this yeah. movie, but for me, I didn't find those decisions stupid. I felt for those two characters. I understood why they were going back and how they felt that sense of guilt. And I thought their performances really sold that guilt. Um, and mm. for me, having identified with those decisions, the ending, which was incredibly shocking, disturbed me all the more. Like, I, I was the whole thing worked for me and I, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. Like I loved this movie. Um, and I know it's a really divisive one. So 
Oh, yeah. interesting. No, and so this okay, so this is one I didn't get a chance to watch. And oh, I sorry. knew you spoilers. No, 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 no. You didn't ruin anything. I knew you enjoyed it, but I also knew you had mentioned how like uncomfortable and difficult it was. So I think it just like maybe that was one of the reasons I just didn't get it in in time because I was just like, well, let me get through these other ones that <laughs> you know I can. So maybe that's a uh, you know a mark on me that I probably should have watched it here before the end of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, I hadn't watched it, so that was one of my glaring holes this year was that I have not seen that yet. Oh yeah, no, it's um, I mean I obviously can't recommend it enough, but also would totally understand mm-hmm. if you watched it and hated it so i can't really just say wholeheartedly i think you should see it <laughs> <laughs> sure sure uh nice uh well i i definitely were gonna have to watch it soon uh and kind of get your uh, let you know what i think i guess oh, i'll be very curious if we align yeah me on too that. i feel like we've aligned pretty well on a lot of our, yeah no absolutely a lot of our thoughts on films and stuff um I'll list a couple. I mean, you know, Scream 2022, already mentioned. Smile was on my honorable mentions. Didn't make it in. Um, a couple others, a couple smaller films that I'll talk about. Um, one was A Wounded Fawn. Uh, I don't know I if you saw it. that. That came to Shudder very yep. recently. Very much like an American giallo. Shot on 16mm. Um, starring Josh Rubin, who has become a... a pretty good horror movie director in his own right in my opinion with scare me and um uh did he do werewolves within what's the yeah, werewolves I... within thank you um yes he directed that one um so but he's still acting obviously and 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 is in this film um very uh kind of you know it has a lot of those hallmarks of um the giallo like that 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 it doesn't have the mystery of the killer who the killer is you kind of know very much from the beginning uh, but that like very bright red you know um almost fake looking blood but that's kind of oh, yeah. like, you know the point of it sort of thing and and so those elements of it so that that didn't quite make my list um neither did we're all going to the world's fair which i saw on a bunch of people's lists but maybe it just didn't speak to me in the same way it spoke to them um you know it didn't i it, honestly out of all of the films i watched this that's the one i would say like i don't really know if this is a horror movie like it you know there it there i struggle to really pinpoint um you know what would really classify it within the 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 horror genre cuz it very much is you know like a um character study and you know this uh, critique of like our constantly online society and things of that nature but you know i didn't find anything really about it that that really spoke to me as a horror film i, I should say um i also want to give a shout out to hellbender oh, I which is on shutter yeah. as well so this is another one that like you will see and it, it's listed as like a 2021 movie but it came out and was distributed on shutter which is where like it came originally to like in january or february of 2022 so like you know again i think it went to festivals in 2021 and that kind of thing um this one is made by like not just a husband and wife but like a family because their daughter um uh i think zelda adams is her name uh plays like the main character her and her mom 
play mother and daughter in the movie it's directed by the husband and wife and the daughter is listed as a writer on it as well i think they literally made it during covid while they were like in upstate new york in their house and everything um and so it really is it's just like this family movie and one of their other daughters i think also plays a character in it um anyway like low budget thing really compelling really intriguing um the ending is what really throws me off of putting it onto the list um of making it for me but the performances are great and i think the writing is really good and like for the low budget nature like the effects that they pulled off i think are really good um both practical and digital um yeah i think that's where i'll give a shout out to rebecca mckendry's glorious as well I uh, didn't make my list, but um, a fun. I mean, what a great premise for a <laughs> horror movie. Um, this dude's stuck in a bathroom stall and talking to this like god entity uh, on the other side of the glory <laughs> hole. Um, I mean, that that's another one where you know the uh, reveal about the character at the end like didn't quite work with me uh, but I understand why that choice was made and why they went that way alright so now we are going to move on to the actual awards that we're handing out though that was our rankings and we went in depth and discussed a bunch of the best horror films of the year but now we're going to break it down by various categories and we actually reached out to all of our former guests who have come on to the Horror Drafts podcast uh, to, to give us their choices in all of these categories and we're going to read off what theirs were uh, first but the categories we have are best actor best actress best writing best director best horror film and then scariest horror film so those are separate categories there uh scariest scene best kill best villain best practical effects and then uh your choice for the lifetime of horror achievement award and that's kind of like those honorary oscars that they hand out every year that's is our version of that the lifetime achievement award in horror um we had a few of our guests who um responded to us and gave us their picks those are the wonderful umar ditta uh lawrence c Connolly, dustin fowler aka bones from the five day reynolds podcast and nick perry um we also had lee carlo who is on our um, prestige horror draft he actually sent us a voice memo um so i will drop that in a little bit later but we'll go category by category here and let you know what our guests chose. Uh, Umar Ditta, in the category of Best Actor, chose Justin Long for Barbarian. Uh, we discussed him uh, previously in the ranking aspect there, uh, uh, Nick. And uh, very uh, apt choice, I think. I think he did a great job. And actually, Bones also chose Justin Long from Barbarian. So we have two of our guests who picked uh, him. Uh, Nick Perry chose Daniel Kaluuya from Nope for Best Actor. And Lawrence Connolly chose F. Murray Abraham as Dr. Carl Winters in The Autopsy, which is episode three of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, So that is where our guest chose in terms of actors. Nick, do you want to... Uh, do we want to maybe switch off on each category here? Do you want to read the Best Actress uh, awards from our guests? Uh, sure, we can do that. Um, All right. Yeah, so... 
here. I'll scroll back up so you oh, can sure. see who it was for each one. So, yeah, let's do this. For Best Actress, um, Umar Ditta picked Amber Mid Thunder for Prey, uh, which which we also talked about in our top ten rankings. Um, yep. Lawrence C. Connolly picked Kate Micucci as Stacy in The Outside, which is episode four of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, Dustin Fowler, a.k.a. Bones, picked Amber Mid-Thunder as well uh, for Prey. And Nick Perry picked Mia Goth for both X and Pearl, which totally get. having You can't really separate those performances. Yes, exactly. Uh, which, when we get to my nominations, I have both of those Me listed too. as well. X and <laughs> Pearl for yep. her. <laughs> Uh, all right, our next category is Best Writing. Uh, Umar Ditta chose Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill from The Black Phone. Uh, Lawrence Connolly wrote uh, Lauren Kahn for Fresh. Zach Krager for Barbarian was Bones' choice. And Jordan Peele for Nope was Nick Perry's choice. Uh, okay, and yep, moving on to Best Director. Um, Umar Ditta also picked Scott Derrickson for The Black Phone. Lawrence C. Connolly picked Parker Finn for Smile. Um, and I can mention specifically um, praised the fact that uh, Parker Finn was able to essentially take a short that he had made and so confidently turn it into a feature, especially during the pandemic, which I totally yeah. agree with. Um, Bones picked um, uh, Zach Krager for Barbarian and uh, Nick Perry picked Jordan Peele for Nope. All right. Uh, now we are going into best horror film. Umar Ditta chose the Black Phone for best horror film. Bones chose Barbarian, and Nick Perry chose Terrifier Two. Uh, should we mention that Larry? Or yeah. Oh yeah, there were a couple of categories that uh, Larry did not send a choice in, so um, I just didn't uh, include uh, a, a choice there because he didn't send us one. That's all. All right. Okay. So that was best horror film. Now let's go to scariest horror film. Umar Ditta picked Prey. Uh, Lawrence C. Connolly picked Barbarian, as did uh, Bones, and Nick Perry picked Terrifier Two. Excellent. Now, scariest scene is uh, the next category. Umar Ditta chose Pearl spooning Maxine Minx in X. Lawrence C. Connolly chose When Tess First Enters the Basement in Barbarian, which is also what Bones chose. And Nick Perry chose the Gordy's Home Massacre in Nope. All right, moving on to best kill, we have Umar Ditta with Finn killing the grabber in the black phone. Um, Lawrence C. Connolly uh, opted out of this category. Um, Bones picked the opening of Halloween Ends, um, which I assume means the staircase scene. Yes, I believe that's Jeremy uh, being killed by accident. Right, right, the accident, yeah. Uh, and Nick Perry picked the bedroom scene in Terrifier 2, which I believe is um, the character of Allie getting killed. Um, Allie. Yeah, I have to imagine yeah. that's it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, best villain. Uh, Umar Ditta chose Ethan Hawke as the grabber in The Black Phone. Uh, Lawrence Connolly chose Sebastian Stan as Steve in Fresh. 
uh, Bones chose the Hipster Kids in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Nick Perry chose Art the Clown from Terrifier 2. Okay, next category is Best Practical Effects. Um, we have Umar Ditta with Prey um, as his choice. Um, Lawrence C. Connolly picked the first shot of the biomechanical bed in um, uh, Crimes of the Future, David Cronenberg's film. Um, uh, Bones picked Mad God. Um, and uh, Nick Perry picked Terrifier 2. Yep, excellent. So speaking of those uh, movies I didn't get to, I did not get a chance to watch Mad God before the end of the year either. So that's when I also feels like a gaping hole for me I, as well. Yeah, and I, I watched half of it and really liked it, but it was not the kind of movie mm-hmm. that... Um, let's just say I fall asleep to a lot of movies these days. I'm just tired all the time from having two kids. <laughs> same, same and uh, I need to give Mad God the full... Like, I, I need to start over and watch it all the way through. But unbelievable, gorgeous movie, and I could absolutely see it best practical effects like deservedly so yes absolutely uh all right so for the final category is the uh lifetime of horror achievement award umar Ditta chose jamie lee curtis lawrence Connolly opted out of this one uh bones chose mad god and perhaps uh i don't know if he meant specifically just the film itself or phil tippett specifically and and him bringing that film to life after so long and then Nick Perry chose uh, David Arquette, um, and specifically from Scream um, 2022 this year. Uh, all right, we're going to drop in Lee's comments right here. Hey, Brantley. Hey, Nick. This is Lee with the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm calling you guys to talk about some of the best of 2022. Now, as you know, I have to be careful. I can't reveal too much ahead of the Fixie Awards which will be coming in March. We'll be recording it on March 24th in New Orleans. Uh, Very excited about that, as I know you guys are. I'm not trying to insert a plug for my own podcast here, but it seems to be happening so organically that I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Get Your Film Fix podcast, Fix the Awards, where we celebrate the year's best, much like you're doing uh, within your uh, genre of expertise, uh, will be coming in March. But on to the question at hand. Um, I'd like to talk about Barbarian. I know that's sort of a trendy pick this year, but I thought it was really well done. I thought Zach Kreger did a great job of taking the horror formula and finding ways to twist it and turn it. Um, you know, use some casting choices to trick his audience, even if it's a little obvious. I think it worked really nicely. Uh, it was a movie I really enjoyed, and I think I just am constantly surprised when some of these movies come out of the woodwork and work on another level and not just in terms of being scary um, or you know things that you guys talk about about specifically scary scenes or great kills I'm not always that interested in that I'm looking for you know how it can take the genre and do something new and unique that I like with it Um, I don't typically like Justin Long but I thought he was pretty good and is certainly in the running for one of the better villains of the year. Um, you know, and it's obviously not something you'd expect going into the movie, not only with his casting, but his role at the uh, at the beginning of the movie. So Barbarian, really good movie. Certainly not without its plot holes, but most of them are quite forgivable. 
definitely one that I've recommended. Uh, I'd also throw out a performance from the movie Hellbender um, by a young woman named Zelda Adams, who also co-wrote and co-directed the movie with her family, her mother and father. Um, Hellbender is definitely not up my alley, um, sort of a coming-of-age witchcraft story. But Zelda Adams was pretty damn good in that movie, and I don't know that we'll ever really really see her do much else, but she made what I think was otherwise a pretty forgettable, even if it was enjoyable movie, um, you know, more than above average. So Zelda Adams in Hellbender, and then kind of across the board Barbarian. was a, I was a huge fan of that movie. Great podcast, guys. Um, thanks. Keep it up. Happy holidays. All right, so that is our guests and their choices for those categories for this year. Thank you, Lee, for sending that voice memo to us. Um, but now Nick and I are going to discuss our nominations and choices in each one of these categories. Uh, Nick, I'm going to throw it to you. We're going to go in that same order, Best Actor. What nominees did you have? And just a reminder to everybody, we are going to be diving way more into spoilers than we did in the ranking portion of the... Um, of the podcast so if you have not seen certain films and don't want things spoiled perhaps uh skip ahead as you hear certain films being mentioned here uh but nick i will throw it to you for the uh, best actor nomination sure i had um justin long in barbarian tim roth in resurrection uh morton burian in speak no evil uh mason thames i think thames in the black phone and ethan hawk also in the black phone Nice. Um, I was uh, had a couple of the same ones as you. Um, I had Sebastian Stan as Steve in Fresh. I had Justin Long as AJ in Barbarian. I had Tim Roth as David in Resurrection. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya as OJ in Nope. And then I had Linus Roche or Roche. I'm not exactly for sure sure of his pronunciation as Jack in The Apology. Um, which I don't know. Did you end up watching The Apology? That came on to Shutter late. In I the did. Year. Um, I have that in my best actress okay. category. Okay. Uh, hey. I uh, figured. I. Yeah. Few, um, it's it's a film that um, I think isn't as good as the sum of its parts, 100%. but the acting and performances I think are great. Yep. Could I agree um, more? Uh, especially from the t- the the main two there. Um, okay. So Nick, what is your winner though? Um, I probably will go yeah i i think my my top choice would be ethan hawk um just in terms of gotcha. um I, I think as a memorable performance he he really is on screen uh a small amount in that in that film but um mm-hmm. uh very compelling villain um and oh well best villain is another category but i think he just yes. as an actor <laughs> I, I think he really brings that villain to life so yeah that's my uh i think i don't just as a standalone performance i think maybe you know tim roth tim roth might deserve best actor but i think in terms of the um the movie's reliance on a singular performance i think ethan hawk really makes the black phone so anyway yeah no i agree i i 100 agree he's fantastic in it he didn't get the nomination for me, but he did get it in the best villain category, which we'll get nice. to when we uh, get down there. Um, my winner in this category is Daniel Kaluuya for Nope. 
and his is a role that I think could very easily be overlooked uh, because he, you know, he he's playing a very um, introverted, shy character who does not communicate well with people. He communicates far better with horses and animals that he works with. And so a lot of his performance is smaller and it's not that like big blow up sort of um um what's the oscar worthy you know the 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 big oscar scene kind of scenes he doesn't have any of those really you know it's one that i think could very easily be overlooked um in this movie is is his performance in it but without it um i don't think it works and he knocks it out of the park in my mind so that is my winner for best actor nice uh on to actresses, which I'm sure you had as hard of a time as I did narrowing this category yep. down. Would not be surprised if we had yeah, the same. this was tough. Uh, but yeah, you should go first this time, I guess. Oh, okay. Yes, I will. Um, as we mentioned, uh, Anna Gunn as Darlene in The Apology is one of my nominations. Kiki Palmer as Emerald in Nope is another one. Rebecca Hall for Resurrection is also in here. Mia Goth as both Maxine Minx and Pearl from X and Pearl is a nominee for me. And Amber Midthunder as Nauru from Prey. And um, I had a couple honorable mentions, but I'll talk about those maybe after we choose our uh, winners. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, yes, I had Rebecca Hall for Resurrection as well. Um, also Anna Gunn from The Apology. And also Mia Goth. Um, I put specifically from pearl i she's great in x too but i just think because she yeah is pearl um i give that movie the edge for that and uh amber mid thunder also for prey yep. nice <laughs> so we just had one character different i guess yeah that's one. right <laughs> um my winner in this category probably not a big surprise um but it's rebecca hall in resurrection um like we mentioned when we were talking about the films earlier, I mean, she just is fantastic in everything I see her in. And I love that she continues to do horror films and doesn't shy away from the genre as a lot of really serious actors do, I feel like. And she is just a tour de force in this movie. And I was just so enraptured by her and her performance in this movie. I loved her and I loved the movie because of her and her performance. Um, so yeah i mean you know mia goth was not too far behind but i i had to give the edge to rebecca hall in resurrection uh great choice that's my choice too rebecca hall um oh it, it is? was okay i thought maybe you'd have gone mia goth you know Pearl. it was close and and both those movies we've talked about have um you know like you could sum the each of those movies up in terms of like a best actress performance by showing the one take monologues um, from each character. Yeah. Each movie has essentially a, a five to seven minute monologue from the lead um, captured in, in one unbroken take, um, which is an incredible feat. And to see it twice this year um, with just such stunning breathtaking performances was a treat to say the, le- the least. But um, Rebecca Hall's, that monologue is, is heartbreaking and incredible. Um, and, but really her performance in that entire film, um, is just 
stellar. And and as you said, it's really, I mean, you know, if this was the only horror movie she did, I would still give her the award this year. But it's also just mm-hmm. an acknowledgement of like her work in horror as a whole. She's just like as you said, yeah. incredible in everything that she's been in. She really carries the movies that she's in on her shoulders. Um, you know, she really makes them. And and the fact that she has not shied away from from the genre, which I think, you know, a lot of actors um, would do. You know, if they started in, you know, I think just because horror is considered, I think still, you know, to be a lesser genre. Um, the fact that she's mm-hmm. still taking the leads in these movies um, is yeah. fantastic, and I think she she deserves as like all the credit in the world. Um, so, yep, definitely. Did you have any honorable mentions outside of that? I didn't. I, I intentionally wrote some down because it's like I gotta shout these out. I I, I want to shout out Zelda Adams as Izzy in Hellbender, which I think I kind of mentioned at the in the uh, when we talked about the honorable mentions for our rankings. Um, I mean, she's a teen, and she gives a fantastic performance in that movie. Um, and the film is really focused on her and centered on her. So, like, if her performance had really faltered or not really been as strong as it was, I don't think that movie would have worked as well as it did. Um, so, really, got to give her a big shout out there. And then uh, Aisha D as Cecilia, aka Sissy, uh, in the movie Sissy uh, this year, I think was uh, really great as well so i wanted to give um those two a big shout out as well even though they didn't get the nomination but um they both were fantastic nice yep uh okay best writing nick why don't you go first with those nominations? sure i have um i had three um okay my uh choices for best writing uh mia goth and ty west for pearl uh zach Kreger for barbarian and Andrew Siemens for Resurrection. Nice. Uh, I also have Ty West and Mia Goth for Pearl, as well as Andrew Siemens for Resurrection. Um, I also have Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill for The Black Phone. Although perhaps Joe Hill's name should be thrown in there as well as a based on characters by kind of thing. Um, and then I also gave a shout out here to Nathan Fadri and Travis Stevens for A Wounded Fawn. Um, I think one thing that that film really has going for it is a really creative um, story. And so I wanted to give it a shout out with a nomination here in the writing category. Nice. And then also, uh, excuse me, Jordan Peele for Nope uh, is on my list as well. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nick, who is your winner? Um, I'm giving this to Andrew Siemens for Resurrection. Um, partially because I think... Ty West and, and Mia Goth will get credit elsewhere and have already gotten credit on my list. And um, also because I think what he does with Resurrection so well um, is what we've talked about previously in our top 10 list is that he takes material that could easily go off the rails and, and grounds it in, you know, and, and a lot of the credit goes to the performances too. But again, the, the, the act, you know, Tim Roth and Rebecca Hall are, are working with material that Andrew Andrew wrote um and uh and i at say what you will about the last act of the movie I, I i think he leaves just enough up for interpretation um like i think i think mm-hmm. he's it's very it's the first two-thirds are are just pitch perfect psychological thriller and then it kind of 
goes into a different territory in the last third, but leaves a lot open to audience interpretation, which I appreciate. Again, it's it's the same element that I think might turn a lot of people off from this movie, but for me, it's what really yeah. made it, um, and I think it's due to the writing. So, Great choice. Yeah. Um, that was probably my second in this category, and I hate to sound like um, I don't mean for it to be sweeping so much of my categories, but I'm going to go with Jordan Peele for uh, for Nope for best writing nice. uh, for myself. Um, again, I mean, like, you know, I talked about it in the rankings that, you know, Resurrection and Nope were the two that, you know, strongest, I think, like visual filmmaking um, films this year for me. And, you know, if Nope just edged out uh, Resurrection for me in terms of best film of the year, I kind of have to give it the edge there and the, with the writing um, for it and Kaluuya's performance. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where I have there for uh, best writing. Nice, nice. Huh. Um. Okay. And am I reading off the? Be- I'm reading best. Uh. Director, yes. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my nominees for best director: uh, Jordan Peele for Nope, Scott Derrickson for The Black Phone, Zach Kreger for Barbarian, Ty West for both X and Pearl, and Andrew Siemens for Resurrection. Uh. Great. I had um, a lot of the same. I had Ty West for X and Pearl. Um, I had David Bruckner for Hellraiser and Dan Trachtenberg f- for Prey. Um, oh, Christian nice. Taftrup. I don't know if I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering that name, but uh, for Speak No Evil. Um, mm. Joseph and Vanessa Winter for Deadstream and Scott Derrickson for The Black Phone. Nice. And who's your winner? Um, I am giving this to Ty West just again this accomplishment in directing not one but two incredible films uh, in the same year um, and, I, and I feel like I can't just give it to him for one or the other it's, it's as a whole both X and yeah. Pearl uh, the accomplishment in directing is uh, like you know second to none it's incredible excellent choice um that's probably maybe where I should have gone as well. Again, I hate to be like a broken record here. I'm giving it to Jordan Peele for Nope. I, I don't mean... I, 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 I think that's the last time it's going to be on my list not to like tip the hand. I just know that like a lot of these early ones were you know, going to Nope, so I don't mean to um, have that kind of dominate my, my list so much. But, um, but yes, anyway, so yes, uh, Jordan Peele for Nope for uh, director for me. Um, now, Nick, I, I didn't bother having us go through best horror films since we just right. ranked it and kind of discussed it. So, um, do you want to read off your nominees for scariest? Horror sure. Film? Um, there's only two: uh, Barbarian and Speak No oh. Evil. Nice. Okay. Now, here's what I'll say: I did um, make this uh, five, but I sort of agree with you that like very. I mean, very little in horror in general scares me anymore, yeah. but uh, Barbarian was on my list. Um, but some of these other ones, I, all of, I mean, all of them, like, you know, they're on my list, but they're, you know, <laughs> it's a relative, I guess, how scary right. I found them. That's what I'll say. So, uh, Barbarian, Resurrection, just there's certain, like, ideas of it that I find, like, very oh, scary. Uh, or, like, if I think about, yeah, like, you know, whatever um deadstream that's a good one c for me uh c for me which i put on here primarily because i do think the subgenre of horror that does work the best for me in terms of 
um, scares is like home invasion horror, which C for me is, and it has that added element of uh, much like kind of Hush was about uh, you know a deaf woman and someone breaks in. Uh, C for me is about like someone who's blind and having um, uh, people break into the house that they're occupying. Uh, so they both had those added elements, and then the black phone was on there as well. Um, I think I probably have an idea for what your scariest is. Why don't you tell me? Now? Uh, speak no evil. Actually, oh, okay. Is my my winner. Nice. Um, very unusual, I would say, looking back at a at a year in horror for me not to pick something with supernatural elements. But, um, the, yeah. you know, you could. This could be interchangeable if you had called this category most disturbing. It, you know, it's the same. It was that that level of of um, discomfort and just like it just upset me on such a deep level that I, it's hard not to call that scary nice no i think that's great i mean i think if i had seen that that probably would have been on my list as well considering some of the things you've said about it um but just yeah having not seen it, it didn't make mine uh barbarian is what i thought you were gonna say which was what i put as the scariest horror film oh, nice. of the year for me yeah i mean certainly you know as much as horror can still scare me, Barbarian, I think, did have some of the the aspects of it that scared me the most uh, of any horror film this year. Um, it's one of those ones where, like, coming back to my... Because I saw it in the theater, coming back to my house that night when I was alone in the house. Um, and so I went down to the basement, which is where I primarily am doing my viewing. But I have, like, a half-finished, half-unfinished oh, yeah. basement. <laughs> where it was like, oh, like, peeking my head through the door from my unfinished to the or from my finished to the unfinished was like uh, could something be or someone be hiding in my <laughs> basement or whatever down here um so you know for for that reason alone i think it was uh, one i had to um choose because it actually made me come home and be like a little worried about things in the dark corners of my of my basement yeah no that's a <laughs> really good reason to put it um <laughs> Yeah, if Barbarian had just been the first 40 minutes, like, for an hour and a half, like, really it was. Like, the first 40 minutes of Barbarian for sure scared me more than Speak No Evil. But, you know, Speak No Evil as a whole was just Mm. pure discomfort. But I would agree that Barbarian scared me more in a traditional horror sense than I think any other movie this year. Gotcha. Uh, All right, so again, I'm just going to reiterate to people that these next few categories especially Mm. are probably going to be spoiling and ruining things for them. So uh, keep that in mind uh, as we go into this part. So if you don't want anything spoiled for films you you maybe haven't seen, just just be aware. Uh, But the next up is Scariest Scene, which um, I believe I'm reading the nomination. I I think so, yeah. Doing the proper order. All right, so my nominees uh, are actually similar to some of our our, our guests, uh, which is Art the Clown's attack on Allie in her room in Terrifier 2, um, Keith getting his head bashed in in Barbarian, Tess first entering the basement uh, in Barbarian, and, and by the basement I mean specifically the hidden parts of the basement that you don't originally see when you go down there. <clears throat> um Noah getting drugged uh, by Steve and then learning his plan in Fresh, which I, that's kind of a spoiler for you. No, no, no I. Sorry. Not, um, <laughs> and then there was a point in the Black Phone where um, 
one of the dead kids bodies kind of appears in the corner mm. of the room and it's very much kind of like a jump scare because you kind of like i forget if the camera is you know rotating and you see it or if it just kind of like cuts and reveals it in some way but it was like a like a, oh shit kind of jump scare because um it felt like the first really effective time that you saw one of the other kids who had been murdered um appear uh in the room with him not just him on his own and maybe i'm misremembering uh but that one really uh made me jump when i uh, saw that oh yeah no 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 that definitely um yeah i i jumped as well and that was the movie I saw last night, and nice. I can't remember which which kid it was, <laughs> but it's the first time that happens. Yeah, I don't remember it either. It was very unexpected. Yeah, yeah, very much so. All right, what are your what are your um? I also have um, tests entering the you know the hidden parts of the basement in Barbarian. Um, without spoiling anything, there's a, a scene in in a car in Speak No Evil that uh, mm. made it for me, and um. Uh, her name's not Chrissy. I can't think of her name, but like the in Deadstream, the girl who plays Chrissy, who winds up actually being like the witch or the oh. you know whatever, when she is yes, hanging from yeah. the stairs, the first time you actually see her hanging, um, really mm. did it for me. That was some good imagery, so I put that in. Yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't mention when you talked about Deadstream, like, but that reveal. Of, well, I guess we were not doing spoilers, but that reveal of her character in the movie, I think, is was really. I well totally done. agree. Yeah um yeah i mean i i definitely kind of bought at the beginning that she was like a oh for sure who was just like following him and and you know followed him to the house yeah or whatever. oh no me too absolutely that was really effective yeah uh okay i'll let you read your nominees for scariest scene oh well those were the nominees that's the um, all three of them oh i'm sorry I, i'm sorry your nominees for best kid oh I'm did so you want to pick your actual award winner for scary scene though? oh shoot you're right we didn't do that yet uh yeah mine is test first entering mine the too. basement hall <laughs> i mean i'm just like jesus christ this is because it just keeps yeah. going and for like she she opens it up and then she sees that creepy room and you think oh god what horrors <laughs> yeah. have happened here and then it just goes down further and down for and then there's all these like the crates and stuff when you get down then you're like oh jesus christ and then you know finally you know things are revealed and of course the whole time keith's yelling oh, to yeah. her or like he he stops yelling to her in that classic like horror movie fashion where like she's not hearing him or then she will when she's about to turn and go away she hears him to stay and that kind of thing i mean it is just like i am i would you couldn't pay me to go down into <laughs> a, a whole like oh that. totally that's just crazy. and that movie had um yeah. that that was my award winner too for sure um no question and it's um the scares in that scene also work on 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 multiple levels because i think in a traditional like don't go in there sort of way um you know and and larry lawrence Connolly said the same thing like uh, this is probably as good of a scene in that sort of specific like don't don't go in there you don't know what's in there like this is as as effective as any of those scenes have ever been in any movie um so on that level it really works um but then as she descends deeper and you start hearing um that what's his the character's name uh, calling out to her yes yes um then you have this uh, other level again playing on your expectations of like oh maybe he wasn't trustworthy after all and he's luring her down into this dark thing to attack her there's like this whole 
element where you're questioning that again. And at that point in the movie, you've kind mm-hmm. of established that, oh, he actually is a trustworthy character. Um, and then it just turns that on mm-hmm. its head again. So there's a lot to that scene yeah. that works really well. And even when she come upon it, it comes upon him. Like it seems like he's maybe, oh, yeah. you know, still playing with it. Cause he's like on all fours and like something bit me. And like, she doesn't right. see what it is. And it's like, why would whatever bit him not like be right there or what, you know? And so it was just uh, like, totally. um, you, you totally would like until the very bitter end, you're thinking he could be playing yep. her, uh, at the end there. Um, well that leads us right into, uh, best kill though. Um, which I I I'm sorry I'm already turned around. Who's am I reading the? Oh, I guess I'm doing first? this one first. Yeah, you are. Yes. Okay. There you go. You you go um, there, Nick. Probably the biggest spoiler of all of them here is uh, Dewey and Scream. For me. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man, I didn't have. It's less about there. the kill itself yeah. for me and more about the significance of who. It, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I had to put that yeah. on as a nominee. Um, I put um, the character of Molly in the sadness which was a movie that didn't do for me what I think it, it apparently did for a lot. Like, I'm still stunned at the, the ratings that it has on, like, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I liked the movie a lot, uh-huh. but um, there is one kill in it that is just especially disturbing. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, really, probably the grossest kill of the year. But then the most over-the-top over kill of the year for me was Allie in Terrifier 2. And that's my third nominee. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I have, uh, much like Umar did I point it out, I have the grabber getting killed in the black foam. Not so much for the creativity, but the catharsis Mm. of it. Um, Keith getting his head smashed in, in Barbarian, which we were just talking about, like, right up until his end, you think he could be playing um, her only to find out that um, he's not as this creature comes and smashes his head into the cement wall Ugh, of the yeah. basement uh, in terrifying, brutal fashion. Um, and then, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, that's where it hard cuts <laughs> after that to what seems like a completely different movie as, like, AJ, Justin Long, is driving down um, the sunny whatever, highway. The Pacific Coast <laughs> yeah. Highway or whatever it is in California. You're on the, suddenly the other side of the country and you're like, what the hell is happening? He's singing to, like along to the radio. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I then have AJ getting his eyes gouged out in Barbarian as well. Um, speaking of AJ, <laughs> Justin Long's character. Um... I then have Allie being killed by Art the Clown in Terrifier 2. Again, for its like very gruesome, over-the-top nature. I mean, I, I wonder if this is the scene that they crowdfunded for, like the 50 for practical yeah. <laughs> effects and stuff. Because like, there's so much in this scene that is just like... And it stops at one point, and then it starts <laughs> up all over again in a more horrifying way. Uh, anyway... Uh, and then uh, Corey um, accidentally killing um, Jeremy in Halloween ends at the very beginning of the movie oh, nice. um, for the surprise factor of it. Like you, you, I, as tension building as it was, and as tense as it was, he was trying to get out of that room. Like I did not see that kill mm. happening, and so for the surprise aspects of it alone, that's what I would uh, nominate. Um, but I'd love to hear your winner. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just have to, I have to give it to Art the Clown uh, killing Allie in Terrifier too, just because it's 
Um, just because of how over the top it is. I mean, it, it like literally, mm. it goes over the top to a level that you're not expecting. Then it goes beyond that, and then it literally pours salt in the wound. Of, you know, like yes. it's it's so they went for it. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily that. It, the effects are great, but I don't know that I would say like it's the most gruesome kill that I've ever seen in any movie. Um, I, I, I can't say that, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it's up there. Um, and it's so prolonged, as yeah. you said, that it's hard exactly. not to, to vote for this, I think. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, if, if I were basing this simply on the practical effects and stuff like used, like I would definitely go with that one. Um, I ended up going with Keith getting his head smashed in and Barbarian just because um, it was shocking. It happens like without you realizing it. You know, a creature comes up and just does it like right there. Um, again, you were thinking that he could still be mm-hmm. luring her. You know, I thought this was the turn where we were going to realize, oh, no, he like he's been playing her this whole time. And, you know, this is what's happening. And, um, and I know it cuts very quick after it, but I mean, he, she slams his head a couple times. So there's some good, oh, like, yeah. right. Am I yes. remembering this correctly? There's a couple good, like practical effects of his head it's just getting gruesome. smushed against the wall. Yeah. And it, it, so it is gruesome in that sense. And I don't know what it is, but I mean, I do love a good head smash in like a oh, horror yeah. movie, <laughs> um, you know? And I mean, I don't think it's ever going to live up no, to the Jason X head smash like what could um but this was brutal and um surprising and shocking and so that's why i'm going with that one and uh in barbarian oh yeah no that's a great choice i that's the most effective um and i think most unexpected as you said yeah definitely uh all right best villain all right you reading your nominations first i believe Yep. Um, look, uh, you know, wasn't a fan of the first film. You've mentioned clowns being overdone, but I think there's something to the way that <clears throat> David Howard Thornton, you know, personifies Art the Clown. That um, it's tough for me not to give him a nomination as a villain here for Terrifier Two. Um, you know, he. It's essentially like, you know, mime work. Um, but he does a really good job, like, um, just being this terrifying, <laughs> to use the parlance of the, the film, um, but, like, playful um, villain. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to give him a nomination for that. Um, Sebastian Stan as Steve in Fresh. Uh, Ethan Hawke as the Grabber in The Black Phone. Uh, Tim Roth as David in Resurrection. And um, this is my other kind of left field one, but I'm going to take Josh Rubin as Bruce in A Wounded Fawn. Okay, nice. Yeah. Love to hear what you got Um, there. I have uh, Jamie Clayton as uh, the priest, or hell priest in Hellraiser. Um, Pinhead, uh, essentially. Um, The businessman in The Sadness. Um, Pearl in X specifically um okay art the clown as you said in terrifier 2 and also the grabber in the black phone so similar list um yes uh and my my winner is ethan hawk as the grabber in the black as is mine nice 
Oh, there you go. So that's two that we have in common, right? Best actress and uh, yep, best villain. Yep. I think. Right? Did we? The mask helps. I don't think we. It's a great yeah. mask, or masks in mm-hmm. the black phone. And I also appreciated that you know. It it could have so easily been like. You know he's never really dead, and the killer keeps coming back. But you know, like there there was the kill sequence for the killer drove home that this was just a guy you know a disturbing a disturbed guy um for some reason that made his character like all the better from for me yeah it it, it's very grounded in a way that i think what worked really well for um for the film i mean like like you said there's just that little bit of supernatural element that like makes it work but again that's not with the killer it's with the means by which the victim is able to um, right. escape in the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's very. It feels very much like he could be one of these like predators, serial killers, whatever. Who you know lives. Well, I guess really, especially in like the seventies, eighties period. I forget exactly when this takes place. I think it's that seventy nine um, or something. Yeah, and I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it feels very much like he, he this was like a, a John Wayne Gacy type of, you know, you know, so if he was based on a real person, we'd be like seeing the true crime documentaries or whatever about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, there, um, oh, why can't I think of his name? Of course, I can't think of his name now. It's just um, but uh, Richard Brake, I guess is his name in Barbarian um, in that one flashback mm. sequence where it goes four, three. Um, and you're seeing him actually stalk oh, yeah, the women yeah, yeah. or the woman in this case. Uh, yes. Like if he had had, the, he's an honorable mention for sure. If if that had been a bigger part of the film, I thought that was very well done. Creepy. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. That's a good point. Um, but yeah. Excellent. And then, um, did you you listed your winner? Yeah, you listed your winner as we had, oh, a, yeah, we had yep, the same. Ethan the grabber. grabber um okay so then best practical effects uh and i believe you're reading your uh, yes right? i guess so um i have Deadstream um for reasons that we talked about on uh, our top 10 um hellraiser which i i realize has a lot of non-practical effects too but i think the designs and the mm-hmm. of the cinebites especially are are great um terrifier yeah. 2 and um uh, Pearl's makeup and X, like that specific element of it. But if I had to pick a movie, oh, gotcha. X, I guess as a whole. Yeah, no, that, I mean so. that makes sense. Um, I have Terrifier two as well. Um, I have Sissy. Uh, this is obviously very specifically the final like third of the movie, basically where, like I kind of mentioned when I talked about it before, like it almost doesn't feel like a horror movie till you get to like the last like act of the movie um but it really like cranks it up and they have some really great um practical effects in those uh end of the film prey which like you mentioned um uh where you know there's a lot of digital effects there's a lot of obviously with the predator himself like the special effects makeup and everything with him did you ever see like it was posted on socials after the movie had come out but they had like a screen test where it wasn't just a screen test, but testing the like, um, like a fight choreography with the uh, guy in the predator yes. costume. But it, it it didn't have that digital 
changing that they did on his yes, face. Yes, I forget everything. why or where I saw that. It, I know I saw it online. It looks so good, and I liked it so much more than the like digital effects they put over the predator's face um, for yeah. the final film. Um, because like I I will say like some of the digital effects like with the bear right, and everything right. like weren't great but i did like some of the practical aspects of it and i it, i do wish that they had just stuck with uh that full practical for the face i thought it would have looked a little bit better um i have fresh on there as well and i also did nominate deadstream nice. i couldn't remember if it, if it definitively got a nomination oh, nice. but it did nice. um so deadstream is nominated there for best practical effects even though like you can see oh like, of course seams with it and everything but it's just it's just for it's that the labor love of love that they had behind it totally exactly i i had to yeah. nominate it um what was your winner uh i i i guess i gave it to to pearl's makeup and x um oh, wh- gotcha. which is and i don't you know i have to see it again i i will say that i actually didn't know going into the movie that mia goth played pearl like even though I I'd seen I knew that she did uh, yeah. in Pearl and I didn't realize that the character's name like I just didn't know anything going into those movies about either of them really so like watching mm-hmm. X first I didn't really make that connection until like later on into the film, um, and whether that's because the makeup was good or I I think part of it is just it's a combination of makeup and her performance and like that she could play that character so differently and be so believably like frail and, um, and you know at the same time be playing you know like the young vibrant maxine character or whatever it's like pretty impressive yeah i completely agree i had no idea it was mia goth playing her either until after the movie and i saw um it mentioned or whatever uh online um yeah i mean it's i mean that alone is kind of a reason to give it best practical effects just because a character or an actor was so lost in the character that you couldn't even tell which is amazing um yeah, I, I I gave it to Terrifier 2 just because I feel like I know quantity yeah, I know. almost <laughs> here. Like, it's, it's hard yeah. not to. Um, which, I mean, it's impressive in this day and age to see a film that, like, puts that much practical effects on screen. And so I felt like I had to kind of reward it in that sense. Um, so uh, that's why Terrifier 2 uh, took, the, took the win for me in that category. Totally. Oh, that's a great pick. I think... Yeah, overall, the amount on screen really should give that the win. I mean, yeah. I would probably give it to Terrifier 2, too, if I wasn't... It's like the one aspect of Pearl being so impressive. Like, I would easily give it to Terrifier 2 as a whole. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Now, I have a question, though. For Lifetime Achievement Award in horror, did you, did you actually have nominations, or did you just have... Uh, an individual. I have, I do have two nominations, but I didn't know how serious we were taking this okay. category. So, like, I have a a fictional nomination and a non-fictional nomination. Like, I have a character as well as. Oh, like a, interesting. So. Oh, oh, I like that. Oh, maybe we should have like, uh, oh, we should have like maybe planned to do that, like a fictional character and then a, and then an actor <laughs> and an actual person, an actor, or like whoever yeah. in horror. Um, I because I didn't have nominees here either. I just kind of chose oh, yeah, a yeah. person. Um, but I would, yeah, I'd love to hear who your fictional person um, was. I I just put Michael Myers, um, just oh, because gotcha. I I I did not like this new Halloween trilogy, and that much 
mm. at all. Um, and I just feel like, you know, I, I, I used to love the Halloween series, but I just feel like, you know, give that character a break now. He's earned it. And I think we've seen enough of him for a while. Um, love the movies. Love that character. Gotcha. I wouldn't pick him if I didn't, but also could definitely use a break from, from Michael Myers for a while. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, well, who oh. was your uh, your other uh, uh, one? Then? I put Nev Campbell for Scream, just because I like you know she was oh, that franchise nice. for so long, and now that she's not going to be in Scream Six, yeah. it felt like an appropriate time to kind of give her some some credit. Yeah, no, oh, that's a great pick. Gosh, I wasn't even I didn't even think of her. I had like a few people on a short list, and I I probably should have. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's how heartbreaking is that that she's not going to be back in six and then all the behind the scenes stuff for like why that's probably It really bothers like, me because I'm not going to be able to yeah. remove myself from that when I'm watching Scream 6. Like I just know that that's going yeah. to be whether they mention her specifically or they don't mention her, I, I feel like that's a, a hole mm-hmm. that will be felt for anyone who's a fan of that series. And if I'm watching the movie, yeah it's going to be hard to remove that hole from the knowledge of like why she's not in it, which is like a shame and like yeah. a whole other discussion to be had. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, you talked about some hesitancy with scream six. That's my biggest mm-hmm. hesitancy is that, I mean, as much as five handed the torch, so to speak to this new generation, it's just, it's gonna feel very different, I think, not having Sidney Prescott in the film at all, and we haven't had a screen without Sidney Prescott before. So that's really where my hesitancy lies with the new film. Um, fingers crossed they can pull it off. I mean, I'm I'm always rooting for it and for a screen film. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, that's that's gonna be a big loss yeah. for them. So we'll we'll see how they can pull it off. Um, I had um, Candyman himself, Tony Todd, as my lifetime achievement here. Not just, of course, for his work in Candyman, but his work in uh, other uh, franchises like Final Destination mm-hmm. and all the, like the kind of one-off horror movies he pops up in here and there. Um, he was in one, I'm forgetting which one, if it was like the, uh, it's one of the ones based on like haunted attractions and stuff, but it wasn't Haunt. It was, um, oh, I'm blanking on it. Anyway. We've been recording for. Yeah, a while. I, I, I don't know which one it was either. I know he's in. <laughs> I forget things. I forget things constantly. But this, I'm going to blame on us having recorded for so. No, that's fair. Right fair. <laughs> but I also will say, um, I could have made up this list of just like people I've met at conventions, uh, horror conventions, who were just like so incredibly kind and nice. Tony Todd being one of them. Um, the other ones I had thought about putting on this list were uh, Angus Scrim who is also incredibly kind and nice. Uh, Robert Englund, who was also very nice and funny uh, when I met him. Um, Tom Savini, who I know some people have said, like, not stellar experiences really? with, um, but who was great when I met him. I mean, he's a dude who is in Vietnam and has PTSD, and so it's like, I'm going to cut him some slack if he, like, isn't having a great day <laughs> at a convention. Yeah. You know what I mean? I also, from what I understand, like, there was a couple years there in the early mid-aughts or whatever where he was going through, like, a really hard time. So, um, I was, I was just, there was a, in the Reddit, uh, horror subreddit, um, <clears throat> this question gets asked, like, who's the best, who's the best or worst interactions you've met at horror conventions or whatever? 
and it's like without fail almost every response is everyone i've met every actor i've met at a horror convention was really great maybe so and so was having an off day because they were just sort of blah but like like there's very few that are like negative you know oh, interactions uh, but but tom savini's name does come up like here and there <clears throat> and then people will be like well when was it because he had a really rough time in like you know that like mid-aughts period oh, or whatever yeah. so anyway but yeah i could have made it up of just like people i've met at conventions who are great but tony todd was like wonderful um you know and uh and i think he's you know portrayed a iconic character uh that has uh now gone is also going into its own <laughs> its own area now with that newer Candyman movie um it's funny that we both have chose like this actors who right. embody like a character in a franchise that have the franchise is beyond now moving them. on yeah, that's, beyond that's, that's, that's true <laughs> well that's gonna wrap up our uh, best of 2022 horror drafts both film rankings and our awards ceremony um please uh follow us on social media we're usually at horror drafts or horror drafts pod wherever um please follow us and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts and you know rate and review if you want to do all that stuff um everyone always says it really helps i don't know the machinations of that but you know if it would help us that'd be great um and then stick around for uh whatever we're going to end up doing next um you know we'll let you know but if you subscribe you know we'll uh we'll just show up in your feed and you can listen to our next episode thanks everybody and we'll see you next time the song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.